Come late, everybody.
I was just letting you know that it is choppy on block as well. Oh, choppy on block talk too, huh? Okay. All right. Give thanks. I appreciate it. Is, is it still is it still choppy right now? Oh, I guess you can't. Uh, it is. It is. Okay. So let's see. That's weird. All right. What about right now? Okay, she can't. On my end, still choppy. All right, that's so weird. It's been we've been doing good for a long time. Um, changing some things around here, seeing what's happening. All right, well, I may just do everyone just stay on. What I'll probably do is just. Let me know how it is on YouTube. If it's still messed up on Block Talk, I'll just hang up and call back. Basically, okay, I'm clear now on Block Talk. So I'm I'm better now, sis, on Block Talk. I'm just getting a word that I'm clear. You are. Good thanks. Okay, we're cool on Block Talk. Okay, give thanks, sis. I appreciate that. All right. Um. So we'll just wait. Okay, wait. I'm clear now. So I guess you're telling me I'm also clear on YouTube, people. On YouTube. There we go. All right. All right. So you know. To click around a bunch of times, and then now we're okay. You know, thank you again. Uh, as you all know, when it gets when it does that, I don't like talking because I could talk for 20 minutes, and then y'all be like, Yeah, chief, you sound like you were really getting into it, but we can hear nothing you was talking about. You know, better luck next week, you know, and then that's when I don't like y'all. So <laughs> instead of going through that, I like to just pause and wait and get it all together before we start talking and stuff. But yeah, give probably that music knocked everything out of whack. You know, I don't normally play music. Yeah, but give thanks everybody. I, I said everyone's let me know it cleared up and everything. I appreciate that. Um, anybody who wants to speak, you can call in on blog talk anytime. Five one five six zero five nine eight six two. Just hit the number one, and if you put the number one up previously to let me know that the you know the audio was funny or whatever, and then you want to come back, just hit the number one twice. It'll take you out of the queue and then put you back in. All right. So, um, if you want to speak again, five one five six zero five nine eight six two. You can call in and hit the number one. Or of course, you always know you have access to the uh, YouTube chat room where everybody seems to like to keep it popping because y'all like to stay behind the anonymity of YouTube. And you can always put your, your question in there. But you know what I have noticed that I'm not going to let go un- unacknowledged. A lot of you have added profile pictures avatars, whereas before you were just using letters or pictures. And I know this is mainly the sisters. So, oh, there's the other Nicole. Didn't I tell you? Can't have one Nicole, one Nicole without the other. They they come in pairs. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, I noticed a lot of y'all have added avatars. And some of y'all, I guess, are trying to snag an out-of-counter. You know what I mean? They're hoping that a conscious brother is flowing through the chat room or something might see you. So you say something real slick. And then you say, oh, hey, sister, what's, you know, peace. <laughs> Peace, my sister. I want to plant my seed in your luscious earth. You know, whatever corny stuff they say nowadays. But anyway, yeah, so I got a lot of stuff I want to I wanna talk about. But like I said, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it in a certain kind of vibe tonight because I'm in a certain kind of vibe as long as the audio holds out. Because, you know, sometimes when it starts messing up, it'll come back. So hopefully it'll stay cool. You know we can we can keep it moving. You know there's been a certain theme we've been hitting on 
this this strong so far as it relates to, you know, our last segment we spoke about emotional management and just some very small and basic things that we can do sometimes to spot when we're we're beginning to function outside of our our own emotional um privilege. You know, because we have a privilege, really, that, that we've been granted and that we've been endowed with and a privilege of certain control, a privilege of certain ability, and really a privilege of, of um, authority and dominion. And your emotions are a dimension unto themselves that you have to have dominion over. You know, when we look at the word kingdom or many like to use the word queendom, you know, the dumb in it just represents the root of the word dominion. And a dominion is a sphere of influence. So a kingdom is a king, the king's sphere of influence. Freedom is where 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 there is a free sphere of influence. You know, you can go any which way with that that term. I am, like they say in the Bible, I can be anything. I am whatever I want to be. So even in your, your emotions represent a, a kingdom or represent a dominion per se, and you have to be able to. Um, exercise and will that dominion with authority, you know, every part of you, you know, not just your emotion and body, of course, but even your mental body and your spiritual kingdom, or as I like to call the spiritual ecosystem. And just, I'm, I like to mainly look at it as an ecosystem because of the way that it helps sustain the liberty and the life of, of us and, and everything that it comes in contact with what we call the spiritual world. You know, tonight I wanted to speak about something um, in the same vein, it may feel a little different, but it's not. It's in the same vein. And um, I'm going to start it off with a little clip, and I'm going to explain. It's a short clip. It's like five seconds. But sometimes it's nice to have someone else say what you want to say. Like I said, I like to get those different tones and textures sometimes, and you can get that when you let someone else say it. So listen to this real quick, and then, we're gonna, and then I'm going to speak. It's like I love the fans, yo, and I love making music with the people in the middle. You know, it's like the middlemen, they just, ugh. Everyone welcomes you into Jerusalem, and later they scream, crucify him. So people are always hypocritical, especially when you are in, in, inside of an industry called the wreck industry. You know, you, you, you have to always stay conscious and in reality. You can't never believe your own hype because those people will build you up to Superman only to find out that you garbage man. <laughs> okay, so real, I told you quick, quick little clip, right? It was, it's not a whole uh, speech or anything like that, but that's a little clip I was thinking about. I was having a Real good dialogue with a, a good brother of mine um, earlier today, and I just wanted to get uh, a perspective from someone who had a little bit of similar background in a certain area. I'll explain as I do, you know, in regards to to what it is that we were building on. And you know, I had mentioned something in the show recently. And someone had, you know, said, oh, check this out, check this out. I had mentioned something about Kendrick Lamar when I was like, you know, yeah, you know, he's overhyped. You know, he's overrated. And, you know, I guess someone heard it and was like, oh, no, Chief, maybe you didn't hear this, maybe you didn't hear that. And I've been, I've been listening to Kendrick Lamar since he was doing mixtapes back in the days. Like, I didn't just start 
recently when he finally popped. So I've been hearing him. He's talented, but severely overhyped. Severely overhyped. And it's overhyped to the point that it's suspicious. So I was building with someone about it, and I said, you know, um, what's your feelings on it? And, you know, this this is a, a friend of mine we used to produce together years and years ago when I was in the music industry. And he was like, you know, and he actually was a rapper before he was a producer, so he's got a different kind of ear. And he was like, yeah, he was like, yo, he's phenomenal. He's a phenomenal artist. You know, and we were building on that. I was like, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, he's nice. It's no doubt about it. But I was like, the greatest of all time? You know, that's what I'm hearing right now. And I'm like, nah, I don't know about that. You know, not only does he not have the body of work to support such a theorem, but there are people who have done just as amazing things prior to him and still are. There are people who can outwrap him. So I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm not. There's something else going on here. And he was like, yeah, you know, you know how they, they overrate and overhype it. I was like, yeah, but it's deeper than that, man. This isn't just some regular industry BS, people who don't really know. Like, they're doing something here. And I, and I said, um, we need to really look at that. So I said, you know, I'm going to talk about it tonight on my segment, right? Now, this is not a this is not a talk about Kendrick Lamar. For those of you who are not familiar with Kendrick Lamar, don't worry, you won't get lost. All right, because that's not necessarily what we're talking about. What we're what we're essentially talking about tonight is social engineering, and what that is and how it affects us. Right. So one of the things that I had mentioned previously is that if you look at and again, remember, I don't talk about my people in public. Kendrick is one of my people, so I'm not I'm not going to say anything. If you're waiting for it, I'm not going to say anything destructive about him. All right, so that's that's not what's going to happen. Um, we gotta get. We have to have a codex where we stop doing some of those things, man. You know, we put our lives on display, and we put we put our disagreements as family on public display, and we become the laughing stock of the planet. As a result, you know, some things you need to wait. <laughs> some things can go into a private message or a phone call or a private text. You know, we don't have to constantly um, be proving to, to each other that we can this this one upsmanship. We have to constantly be being one up, even if we don't necessarily agree with what the person is doing what they're saying or whatever you know some of these codes and i know they may not mean much to anyone but me you know it's my own code of honor but um get one <laughs> get one you know get some things you say man no matter what i'm not doing it. like for some people from an economical um economic perspective they say i don't shop anywhere that i couldn't be hired you know, I think that's a very valuable one. So there's a certain type of resting patron because they know I cannot get the job here. I think that's very intelligent. That's one. You know, there's many that we can do. That's just one of them, right? So I just want to clarify there. So I'm not really necessarily talking about him, but I'm noticing what happens. You know, you, you got you to gotta be able to peak game. And that's what your first eye vision is for. That's what your pineal is from. Or remember, the pineal is the lamp of God. It's the son of man as signified in the Bible. And so the only thing that um, Yahshua bin Pantera, or who so many people call Jesus is the Christ, the only thing he ever called himself when they asked, who are you? He never said, yo, my name is Jesus. Good. He never said that. He said, I, I am the son of man. It's the only thing he ever called himself. So, you know, recognizing that we all have a son. You know, we all have a Christ. We all have a Krishna. We all have that possibility to move beyond the lethargic and the, and the slow and third dimensional thinking of our left and right brain hemispheres, which is really dealing with duality. So that thing that exists in, in the middle 
moves beyond that barrier. It breaks that clock barrier or that, or that, that, <laughs> you know, Magneto spear, that, that, that spear that, you know, we can't go beyond our human consciousness or our worldly thinking or our worldly consciousness. So sometimes you got to use that thinking to see what the heck is really going on. You know, so I'm looking at him, looking at all the hype. I saw the little DNA video with Don Cheeto. It's nice, real, you know, great, creative. All I'm like, mm, but there's still a lot missing here. For one, he still doesn't sound like a man when he raps. He doesn't sound like Pac. He doesn't sound like Biggie. He doesn't sound like Jizza, Method Man, Big Daddy Kane, 201 Ransom, uh, Daylight. Uh, he doesn't sound like, I mean, I could, I just go through a little bit. Casanova 2X, Jodwella 2X. Um, so I'm not just naming old people, by the way. I'm naming new people too. He doesn't necessarily sound like a man when he rhymes. He sounds like a like a little a little elf. Kind of looks like a little elf. That's not a slight against him because um, you know he's 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 doing all right for himself right now. I'm sure. I mean, he's married, but even outside of that, I'm sure he can get all the trim that he wants. So, you know. But what I'm saying is that I'm paying. I pay attention with who is supported because don't forget we're looking at things within an industry. You know, people don't just become breakout hits because they're just so talented. Because there's plenty of talented people. Even when you look in different arenas, sports, boxing, or whatever, there's a reason why people make it to where they make. Politics is a reason. It's not just because they're just so smooth. They're just so intelligent. There's a reason why, you know, it's, you know, like I always say, if you read in my book, The 14 Keys, whomever you allow to reward or punish you is whom you allow to define you. So now if you take the, 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 the mass or the collective opinion, and they say, okay, this is the greatest. You know, at one point we were told that Whitney Houston was America's sweetheart. I remember prior to that we were told that Holly Berry was the most beautiful woman on the world. Right now, People Magazine, was, yeah, People Magazine just came out and said that Julia Roberts is the most beautiful woman in America. Come on, man, who's looking at Julia Roberts? She's like 98 years old. You know what I mean? And on top of that, she just she was never beautiful. You know what I mean? So all these new young beautiful. Um, actresses we have out there, Julia Roberts, they, you know, they called the Crypt Keeper to come and pull her out of her damn sarcophagus. She was sleeping right next to Dracula. Yo, we, we got this photo spread. We're going to do People Magazine. You know, dust yourself off. But my point is, you know, she's not my people I talk about. <laughs> but my point I'm saying is that you have to pay attention to that stuff, what's really being said in a larger sense. So I'm looking at it, and that clip I just played was from Wyclef John. There was a movie that came, or not a movie, a documentary that came out in uh, 95 by the name of, I think it was around 95, by the name of Rhyme and Reason. And it was basically just like a hip-hop documentary at the time. Artists who were hot at that time, they, it was real cool because you got to remember around that time there was no social media, you know, at least in the form accessible social media that we have like today. So to have like an artist do a documentary, you know, a lot of the times you didn't really get to see an artist personally like that. So it was, you know, it was a popular movie. And there was another one called The Show that Def Jam did. There was a couple of them that came out, but Rhyme and Reason was pretty popular. And of course, at the time, the Fugees um, was still out. Myra Estrada says, not defending Julia Roberts, but beauty is relative. Well, you are defending her. So anyway, like I'm saying, um, and nobody, you don't have to use the word defending Myra Estrada. I'm not attacking Julia Roberts. Please, please be able to distinguish between when I'm being literal and when I'm being sarcastic. Okay? So I'm not attacking Julia Roberts. That's how we end up making left turns in conversations and not really getting to where we're supposed to get to. So forget the Julia Roberts thing. Just ride with me on what I'm saying. 
All right, get back on the chain, on the train, Myra. Come on, jump back on. You jumped off for a second. Go get some cotton candy, and then go get a magazine for the ride. You got your magazine. You got your cotton candy. Maybe you got yourself some alkaline water. Now, Myra, I need you to jump back on the train before it leaves the station. Come on. <laughs> I'm messing with you. All right, I'm just playing with you. So anyway, so we have this thing here, right? And I'm looking at this. All right, you're on. she said, got on. Okay, she's back on the tray. You know, so um, so we have this thing here when we look at it, and I'm looking at this kid, and I'm saying, and I remembered that to his project, and I said, you know what, they're going to do the same thing to him that they did to Kanye West. They're going to hype him up beyond his, his capability and his talent, and then they're going to crucify him. Why? Because he actually has the ability to speak to something that a lot of people are not going to speak to, and that's to the conscious plight of his people. He's not totally there yet. He's building. You know, he's building to that place. But like I said, a lot of times people will see you before you see yourself. They see you from from far off. You know, when you just kind of tiddle around and playing and figuring out what you want to do. You know, I always think about that when I look at Tupac Shakur, killed at 25 years old, right? You look at and then look at Quincy Jones. At 25, Quincy Jones was still a struggling trumpet player. Now he's he is Oz, you know he is the Wizard of Oz as it pertains to the music industry. But you know, I mean, we could, we always use like Malcolm X as an example. It's a good example too. But you know, um, you catch somebody in their young formative years, you never know where they're gonna go with this name. You know, so a lot of times people are able to see the patterns. They're able to see the patterns in the messiahs, and they have so many different ways to veer you off course. So I'm listening to this kid. I'm like, okay, he's cool, you know. But there's so many people who are better. Lupe Fiasco is a better rapper. And puts out music that's just as high quality. If not, I actually say better quality. Um, King Los, amazing rapper. Papoose, even though he's old, still amazing rapper. So, you know, I'm, I'm, and I, I don't want to go off into the comparisons. I don't want you to make you think like, well, I'm saying I don't like, I don't want to make it seem like an opinion thing because it's not about that. But I'm just saying how sometimes some funny things happen, right? So I'm looking at this and I'm saying it's the same thing they did to Kanye West. And if you listen to the example that um, Wyclef John said in, in that particular clip, he said, you know, they will they'll basically bring you in. They'll call you into Jerusalem. Now, you know, that's integration. They'll call you into Jerusalem and they'll hell you. And then once you get there, they'll say, now crucify him. So basically, they'll have you thinking you're a certain thing and you don't even have that. You're not that. You see, it's just, just to make it real simple. Now, that's now more easy to do because we have this proliferation and it's this pervasive social media structure now where things become very viral really quickly. If you say it's the greatest, I got to say it's the greatest. Da, 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 and it goes right down the line. And whoever says it's not the greatest, you know, now, oh, you just hating. Or you're just probably a Drake fan. Or this, that, that. you know, it's going to be something. Somebody's always going to say something that's going to be nonsensical, you know. And, and, and you can't really have a sensical debate or argument on social media. It always ends up just looking crazy. You know, you never can really come to any type of real conclusion via social media. That's the trick of it. So if you say something and somebody says, oh, you're just a such and such fan, you just got to go quiet because there's no wins there. 
Okay, you might be able to get one little statement off, but it's very easy if you're articulate online. It's very easy for someone to say you're angry. You know, it's a tricky medium. It's a very tricky medium. It's like being outside of a restaurant. You know, you're a man and you're with your woman, and you grab her by the elbow, and somebody runs to and say, "Hey, hey, take your hands off her." <laughs> you know, it, it, there's certain scenes that you can create very quickly and create a new context, even if that's not the context. You might have grabbed her elbow because you're getting ready to get down on one knee and propose to her. You see, but there's, there's games that people will play that you got to be aware of the trappings. You got to, you know, sometimes we forget slickness. Sometimes we even forget this. You know, you got to do running around killing people. Okay, just so you know, blog talk is, is about 65% you're getting through, but it's slightly choppy. Okay, so my blog talk is still sloppy. I mean, it's not sloppy, still choppy. All right, so everyone on blog talk, because I see I got a lot of people over there. Um, if it stays choppy for like another 10 seconds, let me know. I'll hang up on blog talk and then I'll call back in. All right. Cause that's the thing with like YouTube, I could play around with, I could do little settings and stuff on the encoder blog talk. You can't really do anything, but basically reboot it like an old computer, just basically reboot it, you know, so I can hang up and call back and maybe that, that will fix the issue. All right. So I'm sorry about that folks. I, I can't really do too much about, Block talk, you know, when it starts to bug out. But I, if it's still acting stupid, I'll hang up and then I'll just call back. That honestly usually fixes it. You know, it takes a couple of seconds, but it'll it clear everything up at least long enough to finish the show. But um, so this idea, a lot of times, you know, I'm pointing this out because sometimes we think our attack only comes one way, and you know, you gotta you gotta really be able to sit back in your seat sometimes or pull over, you know, in your car and lean back in your chair and just kind of look out your sunroof and think. You know, you got to be able to do that sometimes. Really just just lean back and think and say, you know what, maybe maybe there's something else going on here. You know, maybe I didn't get everything. You know, so um, this is one of those things, you know, where you got to realize if, if we're in a place, we're in a hostile environment. Like I said, you got this kid running around, so they say they killed him, but you know that. You know, it, they always, white people always killed on the mysterious. Chris Darden was the same, not Chris Darden, but it was his name. Chris Darden, I think his name. No, that was the OJ trial. A guy a couple of years ago who they said wrote the manifesto and was killing police officers. They always die under these mysterious conditions. I mean, we know what time it is by now. Most of us should know what time it is by now. You know, and it just so happens that all of this is going on, and now we're leaning to the right. We're so hyped over Kendrick Lamar's release while we're getting ready to pretty much go into World War Three. So we're not even really supposed to. Let's talk about Kendrick. <laughs> you know, you got to be able to peep the game. So, you know, you they keep you hyped, and they, who, okay, let me, let me fix that. Politicians that have a, a, a ruling interest in maintaining the status quo, um, rich bankers, um, individuals who use their intellect and the knowledge that they have in order to main, maintain control of their local communities as well as their national communities. Okay, that's the thing that we're talking about here. You don't like to use that they thing too much because it starts to sound real, real suckerish. 
you know, you know what they're doing. You know what they're doing, and they're doing this, and they putting this in the food, and they're doing that. That's because you're scared to say name. I get a name, I'll say it, <laughs> you know. But um, so keeping you hyper-stimulated to keep your attention and your energy away from what you're seriously about to go into, which I always talk to you about it being that we're in survival time now. People are still playing, but we're really in survival mode at this point. There's some situations that are going on. I mean, let's not forget, there was a bunch of boys and girls that got abducted not too long ago. We haven't really even talked. Forget the Boko Haram girls. Forget the Boko Haram girls, all right? Because obviously nobody really cares about that anyway. Let's keep it real, all right? And I don't know if I ever even said this on air. I don't know if I ever shared this, but I have a friend who lives in that region. And he shared with me when that situation first happened, and it's so long ago. I don't know if I ever shared it or not. Maybe not. But before those girls were taken, there was a group that ran into an all-boys school and took over 20 boys out of a, a school in northern Nigeria. But no one spoke about that. They only spoke about when the girls were taken. All right. So and I was sitting back waiting like, OK, you're going to bring up the boy situation at any point. You know, and I got confirmations from other people I know. I was like, yeah, this isn't new. Yeah, they, they take boys. You know, it's, yeah. But they had just the night before. So what I'm just saying is that you're running from fire to fire to fire to fire. And you're constantly in this reactionary mode. And if we don't get you through the political scares or we got somebody riding around <laughs> So you think killing somebody who, you know, what's up with the funeral? Can we get some footage on the elder's funeral? You know, too many, too many mysterious things surrounding that, right? Um, and we just had a guy who was killing someone down in Texas. You know, at some point you got to sit back and, and look and realize this is like walking through the cereal aisle in your supermarket. You know, the same way how they play your children, they know at the exact level when you sit your child in the cart, and that you know, in the front part where you're pushing, they know at the exact level that your child's eye level is, and you know it's called product placement, and they they place certain products at that level so your child will reach for it and grab it, and I want that, I want that, you know, and you get that going straight through the entire aisle. It doesn't stop. It's not a little small section. They just keep doing it, doing it, and your child's constantly hyper stimulated, you know. Not to mention the little games and the little. Horses that wants your child wants to ride in front of the store and all that. At some point, at some point, I don't know. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. At some point, I would think you gotta kind of, like I said, pull your car over to the side of the road for a second, lean back, um, don't get off on your stop, but on the subway, just ride it for a minute, and just say, you know, I'm gonna take a couple of stops to think. At some point, you gotta say, wait a minute, what's up with all this this overstimulation? You know, what am I being and it doesn't really lead anywhere. All these alarm clocks, alarm clock, alarm clock, alarm clock, you know, and it doesn't really lead anywhere. But meanwhile, on the left side, in the dark, the OC or the hidden the hidden quadrant where the water is, there's all of this aversive action going on that I can't really respond to until it's too late. I'm guessing block talk is still messing up because I'm seeing I'm seeing my block talk numbers go down and my YouTube numbers go up. So I'm guessing people are jumping off a of blog talk and going over on the YouTube. Um, I don't know what to tell you about that one. I can hang up. Like I said, if it's messing up, just let me know. But you guys got to tell me because I can't hear it. Um, I know Anwar told me that blog talk was still messing up. 
up a little bit. But um, yeah, and like I just saw something like designs not defined said distractions, distractions, distractions. LOL. Just like the Hernandez guy who folks are, are talking about now, right? So Aaron Hernandez. So we were supposed to be talking about about Aaron Hernandez, and he killed himself in his jail cell. And at some point, you're going to realize something. And, and I know this is the crazy part. I said this about Trayvon Martin, and I know it was one of those collective gasps in the audience. When I said it, at some point, you've got to realize that you really don't even care that much about most of this stuff. You, you feel like you should care. See, that's a part of your social programming. You feel like you're supposed to have some type of, of reaction of total moral outrage. They killed the elder. They killed the 74 year Do you really care? Okay, block talk is still the same. All right, thank you. All right. This is what I'm going to do with block talk, people. Either y'all hanging in there or y'all ain't even paying attention. But I am, give me one second on Blog Talk. I'm going to hang up on Blog Talk and then call back. That's all right. So everybody just give me half a half a second to kind of, um, just give me a second to get my life together. All right. So I'm just going to hang up on Blog Talk and I'm going to call back. All right. So just, just hold on for a second here. Like a music artist, and I know it seems very trite. 
it seems like, well, you know, it's just this music. It's not really that important. Um, sometimes you may not realize that uh, certain artists are more important than, than, than you might think. You know, certain artists are more important not only to the musical culture, but to the overall culture. Like, one of the things that I remember when, again, going back to Tupac Shakur, when he was first killed years ago, I remember at the time, yeah, I owned a barbershop at the time. We are in the barbershop, came over the radio. Coco, Coco Chanel, who was a DJ in New York at the time, she, she, they announced that she started crying because her brother had just gotten killed over gun violence, too. And around that time, if everybody remembers, it was mid-90s New York, it was real violent, you know. And I remember saying right there, as soon as they said it, I said, I knew they were going to kill him, man. First of all, because he was doing a lot of stupid stuff, you know. But number two, because he was the only, at that time, the only rapper who had the ability to, to unite the East and West Coast. Because despite the little beef and stuff like that, New York loved Tupac. And of course, he already had California. So he actually had the ability to bring both coasts together, which was this whole thing with the whole thug life movement. So if you take Tupac out of rap and the whole thug life thing, and you put him in a black national organization, nationalist organization, which of course, you know, he came from because he was a Panther child. And he came up under the Uhuru movement, you know, and the Malcolm X grassroots movement. He was a member of those organizations. So you already knew the psychology that he was dealing with. So he was no less dangerous to the oppressive overlords than Dr. Khalid Muhammad was, you know, and probably more so again, because he had the, he had the ability to lead two groups of people and have them follow something blindly. So that's the power. Yeah, you could just say, yo, just come on, just do this. Jesus would have just did it. Not even knowing that it was for their own liberation or for their own good. So, you know, again, and, and I'm, I mean, I know it sounds like this is a, a theorist show. And I said, I don't share a lot of these things because I don't, I don't want to seem like I'm a uh, conspiracy theorist. But I am a conspiracy theorist because there are conspiracies and I have theories about them. But anyway... But, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to go too far into the, in, into things like that as much. But, you know, like I said, I'm just looking at this and, and just using, like I said, the Kendrick Lamar situation as an example and how sometimes people, you know, overconfidence can be engineered into a people in order to get them to lose their precision. You know, precision is key when you're trying to execute any type of operation, preciseness. Now, what is one of the, the biggest things that cause us to move away from our abilities or our potential of preciseness when we're overconfident? We move faster when we're overconfident. We don't measure like we normally would when we're overconfident. We don't have any type of precautionary or contingency plans usually put in place when we're overconfident, but we lose that key piece of precision. So I'm looking at, again, Kendrick Lamar, and I'm saying, you know what? Okay, New York does like him. West Coast does like him. Uh-oh, we got somebody who could actually unite both coasts. Uh-oh, so what do we have to do? Well, maybe we're not going to, maybe, you know, things things evolve. Well, you know what, let's not, uh, he, he's not a party guy. His house, he bought his house, what was his house, like $2 million, they said? Something like that, or no, it was like half of, some, some crazy number. Man, I'm saying crazy number like it was the house that you and I, the amount that you and I would pay for a house. He bought a house for a little, little regular little plain looking four bedroom house. That's what he bought when he got on. You never see him with any big jewelry around his neck and anything like that. So obviously he's on a he's he's doing something different. He's on a different type of vibration. And there's not a whole lot of big talk about how conscious he is. 
you see. Because, you know, when you hear that, you know it's fake. He ain't got a whole bunch of onks on him and, and all that other, and cowrie shells, and he ain't doing none of that. So he's a little bit more dangerous, and he's quiet. And he's a little crazy. You know, he's, he's bipolar, polar depressive, depressive, something like that. I know he's on some type of medication. So that craziness, you know, is always good because it causes you to break out of the, the confines of the grid more than, than other people would. You know, because when you have a crazy thought that comes up, you're used to accepting your own quote-unquote and, and I understand when I'm saying crazy, what I mean, you know, you're used to accepting those type of thoughts and maybe even acting on them before you immediately go to the grid and say, I shouldn't, you know, you have that, as, as I spoke about in a previous show, the four keys to unity, you have that thief archetype mentality. The thief archetype says, why not? Let's innovate. Let's move beyond. Why can't we do it this way? Yeah, I'm from Compton, but. Why do I have, I, I don't have to rhyme about gangbanging. What I'll do is I'll just have gangbangers like Schoolboy Q and my crew. Let him do that. Let him rhyme about crypto. You know, I'm going to rhyme about this. So, you know, it's just really, it's an interesting paradigm when you really look at it uh, in terms of sometimes how the industry or industries will try to derail you and, and make you um, begin to develop a sense of oversight you know, in terms of what's right in front of you. So now you're going to herald him as the great, just like we did with Kanye West. And let me tell you this, as, as a musician and as a music producer, Kanye's eye, and there's a lot of people I know, and in, in, in I knew there's a lot of people who are in the music. You guys know what I'm talking about. You know. Now, when we're asked, like, when we're asked about him, we usually have to say, yo, Kanye's a genius. You know, it's just a political answer. Just like if you ask female rappers, who you like? Let's out right now. They all got to say Nicki Minaj. Well, before Remy Ma, you know, did that to her. But now everybody's got to say, oh, Young M.A. And they know Young M.A. is aight. You know, especially because she got the boy's voice. If you're going to make yourself sound like a dude, you better be able to spit like a dude. And she can't. She's not that good. You know, but we have to say she's good because she's a lesbian and all of that. And, you know, we got to, you know. That's a part of the social engineering. You can't be honest. You know, so you may look at somebody like, like Kendrick or you look at someone like, um, <laughs> um, I said, Kanye West is a drum machine king. Yeah. He's I. You know, um, but one of the things that when, when I spoke about it earlier today, like I said with my other producer friend, you know, one of the things that we said was I was like, listen, I would never kind of, try to downplay anyone's talent. First of all, that's not cool. You don't do that, number one. Um, but aside from that, if we don't eat the same and we don't see the world the same and, you know, we don't express the same, then I don't necessarily expect us to have the same artistic taste. If I'm able to see because I'm quote-unquote conscious or if you want to call yourself enlightened or woke, <laughs> Let me not even say it like that. I know it sounds like I'm, I'm getting on. I just don't like the term. It's just to use it. But you know, if you're awakened and your, your eyes are open, your your first eyes come online and reach it, itself over the clouds of your 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 brain halves, then it's okay to say, well, everyone else may like this type of music or, or like this artist. But ultimately, if I'm able to see spirit inside the food literally, or a spirit inside of an of a African mass or, or, or an Incan sculpture, then I can also see spirit inside of my art. And you may not be able to see the spirit inside of the art. So what's going to 
what's going to compel you and drive you and endear you to an, art, an artist is going to be different than what endears me to an artist. I can hear things that you can't hear. So people may listen to like, and I'm not dissing any of these artists. I'm just using them as an example. People may listen to a young MA or listen to a, uh, like I said, a Kendrick or, or J. Cole or whomever, 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 and say, oh, my God, it's the second coming. You know, but you might also be in love with basketball wives of, of L.A. You know what I mean? And I may be more into documentaries in the Nature Channel because I'm seeing and I'm, I'm on a different vibration here. You know what I mean? So just like we have to be the sentinels and the vanguards of the spiritual and the cultural, the social, the political, and the psychological movement, we're supposed to be the ones who are seeing more. We've got to act like it. But a lot of the times we want to identify ourselves with, with those who don't know. You know, we're trying to still integrate even on the levels of our opinions. So they say it's hot. We got to say it's hot. Young M.A. is not hot. Number one, I don't want to see a girl who's pretending to be a boy rhyme. It's weird. Right? But I'm not supposed to say that because it's not politically correct. Well, check it out. I have my own set of politics that are likened to my own culture. And in my own culture, I can say that. It's fine. Now, if I was identifying myself with American politics or Western politics and Western culture, then I would not be able to say that young M.A. is acting like a boy. I'm, I'm, I'm not allowed to say something like that. I'm not allowed to say that Kendrick Lamar doesn't sound like a man when he rhymes. And I miss hearing people who sounded like, like men like, like Tupac and, and Biggie and so many others who had actually, actually had some bass in their voices. You know, who sounded like men. You see, I wouldn't be allowed to say those things because I am locked in to those political and thought structures. There's nothing wrong with saying, no, I'm not a part of that. I don't have to accept everything that you say to be, to be normal because your normalcy, I may look at it and say it's, it's absolute dysfunction. I, I've been placed, I say good morning to people, and they say things like, we mean good morning. Oh, it's just what I say. Yeah, but what makes you say that? I mean, a normal person would say good morning. No, an uninformed person would say good morning. It's not normal to me to be uninformed. It's not normal to me to not know what's coming out of my mouth. It's not normal to me to know to not know what's going inside of my mouth. These are not normal behaviors for me. These are not normal behaviors for my family. These are not normal behaviors for the Anu system. So it's okay to say, well, that's not what we do. This is what we do. This is what we do. We, we're over here. We do this. You see? So I'm just kind of give you an idea sometimes of, of how pervasive that degree of engineering is and how sometimes we buy into, like I said, that whole thing, stay woke. Well, who popularized that? Let's be honest. You know, people who ain't woke. That's who popularized it. So they're going to say, yeah, man, I'm woke as F. I'm, I'm woke as I'm gangster, but I'm woke. How you going to be woke? No. First of all, they're not even anti. I'm gangster and woke, if you really know what a gangster is. You know what I mean? But so how is it that the head is following the tail? We're supposed to be the ones at the head of the serpent. We're supposed to be the ones at the head of the DNA chain. And we're over here looping back around to follow the tail so that we, we can be accepted by those that we've just risen up from. That is crazy. That's insane. I mean, just, just think about it for a second, man. When you start looking at at culture and you're looking at the things that you're adopting and the things that you're embracing. And sometimes, man, you may not realize that you're in the middle of, 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 of a warfare strategy. 
the overhyping of Kanye West was the warfare strategy. Central region. He's from Chicago. He's in the center of America. The last time we had somebody in the center of America who could have made a major change, he did, but they undermined him, was Master P. Still the center of America. And they ridiculed his brother. He had the right idea. He did everything right. He did everything right. He took that same MC Hammer model, because MC Hammer was, was the first genius. But, you know, they told us to laugh at him. Because why? He's dancing on stage. Oh, you mean like the, the one that we all love, James Brown? You mean like that? So we, we not so don't like James Brown either? Oh, no. We can like James Brown, but don't like MC Hammer. Okay. Because he employed everybody from his neighborhood. Because his brother was like one of the biggest gangsters out in Oakland where he was at. His whole crew was gangsters, but he never talked about anything gangster, which to me was beautiful. But no, 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 don't support that. You see, Kanye comes out. He's outspoken. He's got his own his own ideas, his own thoughts, his own mouth. He's in interviews saying, why, why could I, how could I not be God? Why can't I say that I'm God? What's the problem with that? So now what we have to do, we have to overhype him. He's the best producer of our time. He's he's okay. He rhymes much better than his music. His music is okay. And his rhymes are okay. So we overhype him. And then when he can't live up to the hype, then we make fun of him. And then when he starts to lose his grip on reality, then we really go in on him. And you got conscious people going in. I'm not going to name any names. But conscious radio shows and lectures making fun of Kanye West. What did he ever do to you? You know, it's not his fault that he was overhyped. Vivid Eye Publications, I'm going to read some comments. It says, it's war. And in war, there are tactics and an overarching strategy. Some of these approaches that the oppressive system will use are things that, unless you are looking, you wouldn't notice it. Exactly. I'm telling you, man, <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't get here. It's not one huge, huge um, slip. Into, into the apocalypse, quote unquote, whether it be the cultural apocalypse or the spiritual apocalypse, it's, we don't just take one step and then we're here. You know, it's those small kinds along the way that we ignore. You know, you gotta like, you gotta a dude kill somebody on, on on TV. I mean, on Facebook Live, and then the whole thing is, mis- I said it before, this guy's a cop. Come on, man, that's freaking. He was a police officer. He looked like a police officer. You know, he looked like a cop. Look like he was full of donuts and cinnamon rolls, you know. Um, and yes, I am aware that he also did look like me. All right, so we, let's just address the elephant in the room or the plus size, lighter toned, bearded, bald headed man in the room. All right, I am aware of that, um, but I would like to go on record to say that it was not me, nor was it anyone related to me. Okay. Because if you shaved him down and shaved me down, we do, in fact, sir, look different. Okay? So, my point is that I'm saying is that, uh, and he looked like he had he had arced eyebrows. Like he had his eyebrows waxed. Come on, I, you know I would never do that. You know? But anyway, the point that I'm saying, certain opinion that we're being pushed into a lot of times, and you got to really pull back a lot of times. You got to know how to pull back and just watch the little goblins and gremlins run around. You know, I'm gonna give you a little, little trick I used to do. Uh, years ago, I was in a situation where I was 
I had a I had a, a county that was trying to bury me under the jail. And um every time I would come come into court and deal with my situation, it was like, so calm all the time. They're trying to railroad you and you're just calm. And I said, because this is what I well, this is what I recognize. I would picture everyone as being little goblins and gremlins, and then there was a the guy, Smeagol, from Lord of the Rings. And I would picture like goblins and gremlins got a copy, got somehow got into the dressing room of of a TV studio, and they figured out how to put suits and ties on. And that's what I so I would go in there, and I would look at everyone like they were filth, like they were beneath me. They were just they were just little little gremlins, little little dirty little goblins. They were beneath me because the truth is they were. The truth is they were just goblins and gremlins scraping and cramming for, for some type of energy off of me. They wanted that ectoplasm. What is the ectoplasm? It's that energy that we release off of our off of our, our aura when we're afraid. Fear can be fed from. Nah, I could do more to you than you could do to me. I'm not afraid. You're the one with the problem. You're the one who figured out, yeah, okay, you figured out how to tie a tie. Congratulations. Oh, you shaved yourself down to figure out how to walk in high heels. Good for you. Congratulations. You see, but I know how beautiful I am. I know what I come from. I know what I built. And I know what my ancestors have built. You ain't did nothing of that. You're just a little gremlin. You see, so sometimes, and I know it, it sounds extreme, understand that I have a vivid imagination, so that's what works for me. It, something else may work for you. But, you know, when you're in those situations like that, sometimes you got to be able to use that first eye vision and look at what you're really looking at. Like I say a lot of times, just because you have not been able to witness the gestation period of certain people does not mean that they're the same thing that you are. Just because something can walk on two legs and has um, digit dexterity and has the ability to, to speak a language that you're speaking doesn't mean that it's actually the same thing that you are. You see, because you didn't see its period of gestation. It just kind of showed up. And then you said, oh, you're like me. <laughs> Not necessarily. Some people don't want to take that trip through the halls of my art with you. Why do you think when you go to court, most cases don't go to trial? Why don't they really go to trial? Why do they... Uh, Aside from getting getting a bonus from the plea deal, why a lawyer is not prepared for war? They're, they're administrative lawyers. Here, sign here, sign here, sign here. You'll be able to see your kids in eight years. Hey, man, it could have been 30 years. See, that's that's what they're... Because let's really replicate this process of Kanum. Let me really understand who Kanum was and the fact that you did design this courtroom off of the halls of Ma'at. So let's really act this story out. I'll be Kanum and let's see what really happens to you. Oh, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> right. Take this plea deal. Let us call you something that you're not. Let us call you defendant. Let us tell you to rise. Let us call you the obligor. Let us let us call you the assailant. Let us call you uh, sometimes in the police report, you'll see actor. They say, well, the actor did it. Let us call you that. And then you say, you didn't call me none of that. You're going to call me. Or this is what I am. I define myself. And I reward and punish myself. So your rewards or punishments mean absolutely nothing to me. So therefore, you cannot define me. Sucker. Anyway, 303, you're on the air. Peace, Chief. How you feeling, brother? Peace, peace, my brother. I'm well. How's everything with you? Hey, man. Things are, things are well. Things are well. Hey, I got no complaints. Um, I wanted to chime in on, you know, when you just uh, touched on Kanye West, you know how how people get to a certain 
stage and they say, you know, I feel good about myself and they say I'm a god, then everybody hypes them up and then all of a sudden, once they get to a certain stage, you see you can't deliver. How much of that, though, is on the people who kind of sit back and watch and they root for the underdog? And it's almost like as soon as the underdog makes it, then all of a sudden they try to tear the underdog down. Is that going back to that hood mentality where, okay, you made it so far, but now all of a sudden I don't want you to go further than what I am doing? So you're saying, let me let me get clear on this. You're giving an example where someone who may be an underdog or someone is hyped up to be – actually, you know what? I barely even understood what you was talking about, brother. So you were touching on you were touching on on Kanye West. All right, yeah. Sorry, I was drinking water, and I thought you were going to give a longer story. So I was like, you know what? I'm drinking right now, but I'll come in later. And I bet you, if I come in later, I'm going to get the whole thing. But you were really efficient and concise this time. So my timing was off, brother. I'm, I'm sorry, man. But I drunk the water. I'm good. <laughs> you know, you gotta keep it real, man. I, I messed up. All right, I messed up. That's all right. So, <laughs> That's all right. all right. I appreciate the honesty. Yeah, brother. You know. So, so, so let me get that again. You was, you was building on, uh, touching on a little bit on Kanye West. You know how you're saying somehow uh, when people claim that they're gods, or he came out and said, "I'm a god," we, you all, everybody gets behind him and saying, "All right, you, you root for him." How much of that? And then when he can't deliver, then all of a sudden you tear him down. How much of that, though, goes back to the people who, you know how it, people get behind underdogs, and they root for underdogs, and as soon as you get to a certain sp- a space or place, then all of a sudden you stay there too long, and then they start to tear you down automatically. How much of that goes back to even that hood mentality when people, in in some sense, say you got to help the hood because they have that inside of it? It's almost like when I see people, they like, ah, you know, I'm a root for you, but then as soon as you start doing better than the rest of us, then I'm going to grab you down. So how much of that is on Kanye, and then how much of that is on people who watch it? Well, you know, you got to start where who you got to start here. Who's rooting for who? See, Kanye was never an underdog, as far as y'all the perception that you all got. Now I'm 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 gonna give you a little tidbit. I actually know Kanye West. And I knew him years, long, 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 long time ago, okay, when he was just doing beats. We were both at that time working with a brother by the name of uh, Derek Angeletti, Derek D. Angeletti. He, he used to do these skits where he called himself the Mad Rapper. And he had a production team at the time, and he and I were part of that production team. Regular dude, just like, you know, you and I, just trying to trying to make it like the rest of us were trying to make it. So... I'm not going to say his fame was overnight, but as far as him being in the public eye, you know, he was in the industry for a long time, but the moment he got in the public eye, he was definitely not the underdog. You know, he came in on top. He came in signed to Rockefeller. He came in on top. You know? So, mm-hmm. can, can you hear me clearly? By the way, brother, I just saw, oh, I don't know if I'm clear. Am I clear on block? You, you, chop, you chop up a little bit, but I can, I can hear you. I can make out what you're saying. Okay. All right, well, that's no good, man. That's like trying to decode an ancient scripture. So, um, <laughs> so <laughs> he's like, I kind of get it. I got to go back and study Shakespeare to understand you, you know. But right. um, sometimes so, you be talking, you clear. I don't understand you, so it's all good, brother. Oh, okay, all right. So this is normal play, then. We good. Right. So, 
that's the thing, you know, it, it's like when we're, we're rooting for the underdog, you know, it, it, we got to look at who the we is. Most time, especially in Western culture, if you look, you look at it, we're told who to root for and we're told who to hate all the time. You know, like when I was a kid, um, I, I was told I had to hate Russian people. You know, by the, back then it was the Soviet Union. But I was told I had to hate the Russians. I didn't know why. You know, I had to hate communists. I didn't know why I had to hate What's the problem with communists? Sounds cool to me. Community. What's the big deal? You know, isn't that good? <laughs> you know, well, in the mm-hmm. socialist system, you know, um, all, all of the common needs of everybody is met. Well, that's good, isn't it? <laughs> you know, so then we don't have to mm-hmm. have so many bars on our windows because, you know, we have bars on the window. You know, no, 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 it's bad. Okay, I guess it's bad. The thing is that um, oftentimes the underdogs, we're told who the underdog is supposed to be, who we're supposed to be rooting for, you know, but they're not necessarily underdogs. Like right now, someone could say that Kendrick Lamar is an underdog because he's a newcomer to the scene, but he's not an underdog. You know, um, Damon Dash is an underdog. Uh Suge Knight is an underdog. He's he's an underdog. When Suge Knight got locked up the first time, I remember I said it. I said they're gonna keep him locked up just long enough to to, to lose death row records. This was back in the nineties, you know, when it was the pop thing and, and when he got it, he violated probation. I said they're gonna lock him up just long enough to lose death row. And of course that happened. You know, this brother gets to a certain point, or we may say through actions of his own or whatever, but he gets to a certain point, everything is, is knocked from under his feet consistently. That's an underdog. Yeah, no, nah, they're not underdogs, man. You know, I mean, look at it like this. Look at how much mourning that we were told that we needed to do when his, when his mother went and killed herself via plastic surgery. Now, we were supposed to look at his mother like she was some kind of martyr. She decides to go get cosmetic surgery, dies on the table, and now we're supposed to really feel that. And we're not supposed to at any point say, well, you know, that's kind of the problem with doing stuff like that. Because, of course, that would seem cruel. (laughs) You know? So a lot of times our opinions are shifted in a way that are somewhat, and I know people are not going to like what I just said. I know that. But you're not going to change what I'm saying just because you don't like it. Think about what you're hearing, you know? Um, it's just like when Michael Jordan's pops got killed. His pops got killed over gambling debts. Now he's on on TV. I want y'all to all pray for me. I remember, never forget that. He was like, everyone just pray for my father. I'm not praying for your father. You crazy? You know how many young people I knew back in the late, late 80s, early 90s who was getting killed over Jordan sneakers? And I remember when he was approached, when his, when his sneakers hit the $200 mark, he was approached. They asked him to lower the price of the sneakers because so many kids were getting killed over me. He said, that's not my problem. So why the hell would I care that your pops just got popped? Oh, well. You know, so, of course, I right. know because of the thing, we're not, we're not allowed to say anything. Like, now I'm a monster because I just said that. But there's still the loss of life. You know, I'm just, we got we to gotta do that little game. You know what I mean? So... I'm just saying a lot of times when you say the we, we're rooting. A lot of times who we're told to root for is not who we would necessarily root for. I'm rooting for India Ari. Ari got jerked around by the industry for so long, she started bleaching. 
Jill Scott got underappreciated for so long, she started wearing weaves and wigs. I'm rooting for them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. they're, the underdogs. They're, they're the ones in my community and in my culture that I would look at and say, these are the ones I identify with and say, yeah, they, you know, they're the ones who, who need our help in that sense. You know, those who have this, these great, enormous pockets of talent. Um, there's a beautiful sister by the name of Amina Kaplan. Amina Kaplan. Um, no, you guys, I'm sure have never heard of her. If you look her up, if any of you have ever watched the TV series The Office, she played Val. She worked in the, in the, in the warehouse downstairs. But she's also a drummer and a percussionist, you know, as well as a dance choreographer. But gets no, she's beautiful too. She's gorgeous. But gets no burn in the industry natural in shape she dances she drums and she acts you know that's who i'm rooting for you know um so i'm just saying i think sometimes the we is a little distorted you know what i mean how how much of that though even i think there was like a line that jay-z had when i used to rap about common sense but it didn't make no common sense so like mm-hmm. at some point in time how does how does one then okay i okay, I want to go against the grain and tell everybody this is what it is, but then at the same time, I still got rent to pay. And if everybody is flocking towards this and they want to hear this, then I'm going to put this out. Yeah, but see, those are lies. People lie when they say things like that. You know, um, (laughs) Jay-Z's from Marcy Projects. His rent was like $25 a month. Let's keep it real. All these rappers talking about, y'all came out of the project. He's paying $16 a month for rent. All right, you can find that on the ground. All that, that that's, that's, that's not the issue there. All right. I know, I know it's a thumbs down video. Everybody's going to be jerk. I, I know what's coming. But, but you know, don't forget, Jay Z was a drug dealer. Verified drug dealer. This wasn't no imaginary drug dealing like most of these other cats took my y'all was out here. You know, everybody was a, was a cocaine drug lord cartel after they get signed. You know what I mean? Like it was, everybody right. was pushing key. Most dudes, I mean, they don't even, they even seen a key. They don't even know what a key is, how, how big a key is. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, but Jay was actually in the game. So that whole, you got to realize with the industry, most people who are put into a certain position are people who have already proved themselves to have no loyalty to their people. That's why most rappers are drug dealers or former drug dealers. Because once you see mm-hmm. that in a person, you don't care nothing about your community. Okay, I can work with you. Because I know there's no conscience there. Anything I tell you to do, you're going to go do it. You see? So, mm. you know, I, I know the line in the song you're talking about. He said, I ain't been rhyming like common sense. I, I, I get it, but you know what? He didn't really come in like that. Jay-Z came in as a new Wabian under jazz. Okay, the, jazz is a conscious brother. He was also dealing with Dr. York's teachings. He came in under jazz, and he came under Big Daddy Kane. At the time, Big Daddy Kane was a five percenter, so he came on in under people with information. But he was already a drug dealer. So when was that? When was that mentality cleaned out? When did he have the the, the, the cathartic moment when he said, "I shouldn't do this to my people"? We can use Fifty Cent, and again, I'm not talking against my people. I'm talking about a mentality because these are the brothers I love, and I have all their projects, and I listen to them all the time. You know. Um, 50 Cent, drug dealer. He said when he got his first deal, he took the money, bought, bought cocaine, <laughs> you know, and, and, and kept making money. So you take a person like that. Of course, Dr. Dre 
is going to be an Eminem. They're going to be attracted to someone like that because we can put him out there. He'll say anything because he's completely whored himself out already for money. When you got a person who will basically, you know, we always like to talk about, we put things in in an ancient place where we say, you know, there was a lot of um, African kings who sold us into slaves, and people don't like hearing that. Or about hearing about how the Moors constructed contracts to sell certain people. Well, what's the difference between that and a drug dealer? Same, it's the same freaking thing. So you already know that mentality already existing in, in your genes. So you take somebody like 50 Cent, and I'm only using rappers who have said they sold drugs. Because I know some rappers personally who made it very big, who were in the streets doing dirt, and they don't even rhyme about it. I love it. You know what I mean? They, they recognize those are people who actually were doing it to, you know, take care of probably the seven and eight children they had by the age of 19. <laughs> you know, but I'm just mm-hmm. saying the point is, you know, um, you can't, don't, don't believe that hype all the time. Jay would have made money regardless. Why? Because Jay has a gift for gab. Whether he would have gone into sports endorsements, you know, or, or sports management, he could have managed other artists. He could have opened a nightclub. You could tell he's an intelligent person, and he has Shango's gift. Whatever he would have put his hand to, he would have done well. He would have done, he would have done well and made money. And in fact, I would also say this: he's still a worker. With all that intellect, like, it's not like he he's owning what he does. He's still a worker. He's still begging, begging on doors. You know, so it kind of it kind of lets you know that. There's still some puppet strings there, you know. So when if one looks at that, then that's what I, I guess. Then you know, is that the people root for certain people because I see myself actually being able to do that. I can insert myself in that situation. So whereas you see a Damon Dash, I'm not going to insert myself in that because people basically have blackballed him for standing up and holding his own cojones. But then when you see right. Jay-Z and he started, oh, let me try to do this way. Well, then now, okay, I can actually see myself doing that. So then that's, uh, is that how people get sucked into that? Man, that's how hoes get sucked into stuff, man. We on a late <laughs> night show, so I can talk the way I talk. You got some hoe-ass people out here, man. Let, let me just let's, just, let's just get right to it. So you got some hoes that will look at someone like Jay-Z and be like, yeah, but look at the money he's making. Whereas you got somebody who's got a, a, a mindset of a Mac or a controller that's going to say, you know what, but who's signing Jay-Z's check? That's the money I want. Right. You see what I'm saying? Who's opening up the door to Jay-Z and say, hey, come on in on this business deal and, yeah, help buy the stadium with us. You know, who's doing that and just using Jay-Z as a battery? You know, that's what I want. So you got, you got people with a whole mentality that look at situations like that and look at Damon Dash and say, that's why Damon is broke. That man ain't broke. MC Hammer ain't broke either. These are people who held their integrity and said, listen, man, no matter what, I'm still going to be riding around in luxury vehicles, riding in private jets. and all. So I've still got money, <laughs> you know, before I had more money than I knew what to do with. Now I just have enough money to do to know what I want to do with it. But I'm still rich. But that's not even what this is about when you're trying to leave a mark and create a legacy. You see, now people will talk about Dame Dash all day. Why? Because he fought for, the, for what he believed, fought for his artists. Like you said, the Yacahones. Jay what? Jay sits there and mumbles through interviews. Well, you know. And he never says anything profound. Same thing with Beyonce. Her voice sounds like mine. Well, you know, I live every day. You know, so, <laughs> of course, people are going to gravitate towards that. 
You know, I'd rather listen to Kanye West and his retarded self in an interview. He's a psychopath, but I'd rather listen to him because at least he's out of the box. He's, he freed himself up, but he didn't have a community of support to say, all right, come on over here with it. Keep talking that stuff, but come on over here with it. You see, so I'm saying sometimes we look at certain things, like we might look at a Dr. Dre. And I have, because again, I've been in the industry. When I was, when I was making the most of my money in the industry, because I did, I did really well. But when I was making the most of my money, the biggest thing in the end, well, at, as a producer, you know, when you go to certain production camps, and, and at the time, this is when I was with Spoiled Rot, and I had worked with a car, an artist years ago by the name of Case, right? And the big thing back then when we were working on a Case project was that R. Kelly, everybody had to, had to sound like R. Kelly. He was, he was it, you know? Um, that was like, that was the parameter, you know, that was the standard. Can you do R. Kelly tracks? And of course I was lucky because I could do R. Kelly tracks because they would, they would super simple. I'm like, it's not hard, you know, just get butt naked in the studio, light some candles and it'll come out, <laughs> you know, but, um, <laughs> but you know, the, the thing is with that, it was like R. Kelly baby face was the other, was the other huge one. And Dr. Dre was still kind of on the come up. But I remember, you know, some years later, it was like Dr. Dre was like it. And I'm looking at this and I'm saying, yeah, but, you know, why can't he be that and be conscious? Like, am I asking for too much? You know, like, the most positive thing I've ever heard Dre say in terms of his people is in in a song, he had that song, Still Dre, and a little ad lib, he said, he said, I love to see young blacks getting money. That's it. And like your thirty year career span, that's the most you've had to say to black people. And you just look at this situation. Now, not tearing the brother down. My family, I'm not even gonna look at the situation because if I say if I say what I'm getting ready to say, it's gonna look bad, you know. And Dre is a genius, man. Listen, I would get donuts for Dr. Dre. So let me just let me just put this in perspective too. If he called right now, and said, "Listen, man, you know, da 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 da." You know, you've been out. You've been out of it for a minute. I heard you've been doing music for movies and stuff, but this is different. You can come here and fetch my donuts, but you got to shut down all of that stuff you're doing. I, well, hey, listen, this will be the last show, everyone. Um, <laughs> good luck on your journey. <laughs> God bless. <laughs> and I'll be getting Dre's donuts just to peer over his shoulder to see what he's doing. So um, let me put it in perspective from an artistic perspective. You know, Dre is Dre is Quincy Jones to me, and and I would do the same thing for Quincy Jones. You know, amazing. You know, I would do the same thing for Lionel Richie. There's a couple people I would do that for, who I look at. You know, I, they're on a pedestal. You know, I would probably move quicker for Lionel Richie than any of the rest of them actually. But my point is that on another level, though, sometimes we're, we're looking at things and we don't really know what we're looking at because we're not educated about certain things. You know, we're not educated about we're not educated about business and how businesses work and and about commerce and, and how that, you know, when you have someone like I mentioned that recently, a wealthy person can rise from the bottom again. You know, like a Damon Dash will look at him and say, basically, he's an uppity nigga. That's why people don't like him. He's uppity. We don't want to say that, though, but that's what it is, because he got into people's faces. Well, let's say it, into white people's faces. And you know, came in acting the way he was. Now, was he doing stupid stuff with Rockefeller? Yeah, probably. I mean, he was balling out of control a little bit. He stole Aaliyah from Jay-Z. I'm sure that created some bad blood and all that. But ultimately, he's uppity, and we're a 
afraid of uppity people. That's why even when we talk about consciousness, that's what I'm saying, the we thing, we always got to be able to clarify that we thing, you know, because right now I got I got a bunch of people on the line. I see everybody listening, you know, this show. We got, we got a lot of people here tonight. I already know that 75 to 80% of the people listening right now are here listening because they're part of the conscious community. Here's a little secret, Brother Zach. I am actually not a part of the conscious community. I am a part of the black liberation movement. You see, so sometimes when we say the we, the we can be very ambiguous to a degree. People may not understand what one person is saying. Why is why Damon Dash, someone like a Damon Dash is so important, not just to the culture of music, but to the culture of our people. Why even a Barry Gordy was important to the culture of our, our, our people. You know, so many people who have come, why, again, a masterpiece. So many people who have slipped into, you know, ambiguity and, and kind of into the shadows, what they really represented. A Reginald Lewis, why he was so important and what he was fighting for. You know, we, we sometimes we lose sight of that because people got whole minds. They just want to see that check. He got money, though. Money, though. You know, when's the last time such and such had a hit, though? He ain't got no hits, though. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, people got whole minds, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Okay, okay so let me ask you this then. Oh. No, go ahead, brother. If if one is from the outside looking in there and they see, okay, let me look at some of the the, the quote unquote conscious, and I, and I remember you saying this on another show too. Even when I remember you brought up um, Sister Soldier and some other, or even when I saw a show one time that you was doing, you when when you're trying to help people, your own people, and then you start to see the thanks that you get from the, the backlash that they're starting to come at you. So then if one is starting to look at it, okay, I see one who has sold himself out. They're getting praised. And I got the one who's really in the trenches, and they're getting dogs. Well, then, wouldn't the easiest decision be to go go have a whole mind? Yeah, absolutely, if you're doing this for praise. Absolutely. That's why you've heard me say on so many different segments, I'm not trying to be an online radio host. I have no interest in, in, in doing this. If y'all remember, actually, it was Sister Kim who was doing all these segments. I had pulled back. I was doing 30 minutes a Sunday. So, I, I, and I'm not even showing myself on film. I'm not even, you know, sitting here and, you know, so this ain't even about that. You know, you got to look at why somebody is getting it. Like I always say, look at why somebody got into it. Mm. You know, if you're getting into it because you want attention and you want people to praise you, you want people to say you're smart, or for a lot of the dudes, they was nerds. So they get into consciousness because they want access to vagina. They don't know how to relate to women, but they know they can stand up in front of a group and talk that stuff. You know what I mean? I was never a nerd. I always, you know, was, was surrounded in, in, in vagina and pretty girls. So that, that, that wasn't an issue. I was always cool. I'm a boxer. You know what I mean? I owned my own business at 17. I owned a barbershop. Like, I was always fly. I rode motorcycles to school some, day, some days, to high school. So I got all that stuff out the way. So then why would I want to do this? Get into something where most people are now going to call me crazy. Well, that means there must be something deeper to it. You see what I'm saying? So you mm-hmm. got to look at why somebody gets involved in something. Um, but, yeah, absolutely. If you're looking for praise, there's a way to do it. 
I always say that there's a way to do it. I know how to get praise, man. All I got to do is bring the volume down just like this. And I just have to say, you know, um, it's so beautiful when you see the ancestors come back through brothers like Kendrick Lamar. And you can see the ancestors have touched that young man and the career that he's going to have ahead of him. It's not even about that. It's not even about the career. It's about what's happening right now in the cosmos. We're going through a shift right now. And it's a beautiful shift of consciousness where people are waking up to their most powerful selves, to their higher selves. They're realizing that they are the famous child. They are the celebrity of the cosmos. You look up and you pick your star and realize that that is you. And I could do shows like that every day, right? I would be more popular. <laughs> I ain't doing that. My voice goes up and down. So it's like a rubber band. All right. I can talk like this. I can talk real high. Or I can do my, my normal regular voice. Or I can talk louder. Or I can talk softer. It's all me. And it's jarring. Oh, wait. All right. What's, what's the rhythm? I'm trying to lay back. I'm trying. What is he going to do? <laughs> Everything was so smooth. He started out. He played a nice song. And now he's calling people hoes. Oh, my goodness. Am I a hoe? Is he talking about me? Oh, Chief, if you ever get to call in. Chief, I just want to know one thing. Am I a hoe? I don't think so. Thank you. Oh, thank you. You know what I'm saying? It's going to turn into that. You know? But I'm just saying, man, you got to look at why people are getting into what it is that they're getting into, man. Like I said, I'm here for black liberation. Now, how many people know that? People probably think I'm here because I'm one of those conscious people. They probably, that's what they're probably thinking. You know, so, um, nah, man, you got, you got to be able to kind of look under things. And, yeah, when you start to do the real work, like, I get it all the time. People are always talking crap about me. Oh, he's mean, he's this or that. Let me tell you something, man. I don't care about those people. Because right now we're in the end times, man. We're in a very lethal time. In Western culture, I don't want to be surrounded by no faggot women, and I don't want to be surrounded by no whole whole dudes. I know y'all not used to hearing me talk like that, but that's how I really talk. All right, I don't want to be around those types. I want to be around people who can see what's really going on. And I'm gonna tell you something right now. I'm gonna keep it totally real with you. The fifties and ups are the main people who are riding with a lot of the things that I say. They get it. Because those who've been in consciousness for a long time been listening to garbage for a long time, they recognize when something real comes forward. Just like when I was in the church world and I was a young person doing revivals and stuff like that, it was those old church mothers who mainly were the ones who felt me. And it seemed weird, but those are the ones who would come to me after service. Young man, oh my goodness, I have never heard preaching like that in my life. And the way I talk to y'all here is how I talk back then. The way I broke things down, I used to break down names, same way, all of that. But, you know, in church, they don't trying to hear all that. They're like, man, just hurry up and loosen up your tie and do a front flip off the pew. All right? All that stuff you talking about, the Greek and the Hebrew, and like, we ain't come here for all of that. You got, <laughs> you've been preaching now for seven minutes. You got five more minutes to start shouting. You know, that's basically what it was. <laughs> you know, but I, I ain't do none of that, man. I, I, I talked. I was a teacher, so... It was the old, the old, old ladies would come with them little doilies on top of their head, you know, and sun and, you know, mouth smelling mm-hmm. like the strong mm-hmm. that them old women be eating after church. 
you know, with the Martin Luther King fans and Sonya, oh, ooh, I ain't never heard no preaching like that. You keep, you know, that's who encouraged me. And I sat back and realized, I said, man, this woman's 80 years old, 85, 90 years old. She's been listening to garbage for, you know, 80 years, <laughs> basically. She's been listening to mm-hmm. garbage preachers for 80 years, but she don't know where else to go. And she's been talking, you know, she's been here so long, she might as well stay. You know, so of course it's refreshing for for someone to come in and say, "Hey, man, his name wasn't Jesus, man. Take them damn crosses down." You know that that was Constantine told you to put them crosses, man. That's Constantinople, man. You gotta learn about the Ottoman Turks, huh? <laughs> That's when the organist start playing music. No, don't stop playing no music to play over me. I'm still talking. <laughs> this ain't the Grammy. <laughs> I'm not done talking. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'm gonna let you finish. <laughs> <let you> <laughs> yeah, they start clapping, going, "We're going, to, we ain't going to commercial." No, you gonna learn about these Moorish hurts. So I used to talk about all those different types of things, man. You know what I mean? So um, the same thing all the way through. Now, was I getting praise from the people? Maybe I would have enjoyed, like you know, the girls and stuff, and, and the pastors, and, and some of them, but not all the time. No, you know. Now, the way I teach and the way I build, do I get praise from the larger community? No. Nope. Most people don't even know about me. Right? They know about my programs and stuff, or they know of me, but they don't even know what I do and everything like that. Because I don't talk about aliens. I don't do a bunch of movie breakdowns. Um, I don't talk about current events. I'm not currently talking about Kendrick. I'm not reviewing Get Out. I'm not reviewing Kendrick's project viewing the brother who just killed everybody. I'm not talking about the woman who recently was on the plane and um, she was told that she had changed her seat because there were two Islamic men, you know, and they were Islamic monks and in their tradition, they're not allowed to sit near women and things like that. And she was totally outraged. You know, I'm not talking about that and how this country, I ain't talking about none of that, that dumb stuff, man, because my culture, we don't need to talk about that. We already know that's there. We know where it's going. We got to talk about our agenda, and that's not as popular. That's not going to receive all the hand claps and the praise and, and things like that, but the people who are riding with Anu and who are riding with this information, their whole life is flip-flopping. They're not just getting those little feathers in their cap and those little pats on the back and the confirmation where they say, I knew I was deep. I knew I was conscious. They're not getting that. They're getting like, man, this information has changed my whole world around. And it's changed my children's world around and my wife and my husband. And it may only be, I may only have 100 people saying that to me, to everyone else's 60,000. I'm good. Because like I told you, the only people I could take over a whole town. And I got like 100 out of over 4,000 students. So give you some, give you some understanding <laughs> on how these numbers work. <laughs> out of over 4,000 stu- students over at this point, I, I looked into my database recently. I got like somewhere like 21 or 2,200 clients that I work with in my database for spiritual work and stuff over the years. So you're talking like, let's say 6,000 people, 5,000, 6,000 people. We do shows, right? It's the same maybe five or six people who do call in <laughs> out of 6,000. Mm-hmm. And the people who are really like, Chief, I've been applying this stuff. Oh, my God. The people who are applying it, not just listening because it helps them get through their work day, maybe like 100 out of 6,000. Call out and I say, look, all right, 
um, I'm leaving. Who wants to come with me? Drop every drop what you're doing. It's coming down. We knew this day was coming. I'm out. Who's coming? Eh, maybe four people. <laughs> maybe four. Oh man, my, my little niece's birthday party is this weekend. Man, I love to, I would love to escape the economic collapse and cultural apocalypse, but I gotta be at my niece's birthday party. <laughs> I got an interview with DHL Monday, brother. I've been on the waiting list for that job forever. I would love to save myself and my family and go up into the hills with you, brother. But hey, man. They got, you know, they got benefits. They'll send me to school if I get the job. They got tuition reimbursement. <laughs> I know what's going to happen when it comes down to it. That's why I made that meme for the silverback gorilla. I'm going up in the mountain. Either y'all, y'all stay down here and get told, but I'm going. I ain't going to die for y'all. <laughs> I'm not your mythical Jesus. That's all mythology, man. I ain't, I ain't, and, and you know, it was so messed up. There was a, there was a. I'm a. I am gonna say a name on this one. There was a clip years ago, a couple years ago, that they they grabbed on Sarah Suit and Seti, where he had said, um, "I ain't going over the line for no n i g g e r," and he was basically saying, he said, well, he said, "I'm not carrying anyone over the line." And, of course, it was taken out of context, you know, because he had beef with somebody. And they were saying, he don't even care about you. And he's saying, you got to do this for yourself. I'm not carrying you on my back. When it's time to go, it's time to go. And I, I related to what he was saying. I know that feeling because I have tried to carry people. And you find that usually people who want to be carried, they don't want to leave. You know, so they figure out ways to, to drown you while you're trying to save them. You know? Um. Yeah, man, it's deep. It's deep. This is because uh, it's almost like people would rather be they would rather be a Martin Luther King instead of like a Stokely Carmichael. I'm not gonna say what I need to say. I'm gonna just uh, I'm a. But it, how much of that then is just moving through a room full of vultures? Like this is where you gotta. If you, if that's the game that's being played. You gotta understand the game and then master the rules. Man, let me tell you something. Martin Luther King was more thugged out and more hardcore than most of those Panthers. See, remember, we're, we're, we're given a certain spirit of Dr. King for us to play with. We're given the I have a dream speech. and uh, Man, that dude, this dude was thugged out. He, first of all, he was short. You know how short guys are, man. They always, they always got more mouth than muscle. They, they always tougher than they need be, you know. Um, but he wasn't, mm-hmm. he wasn't a sucker. Everyone has this image like Malcolm was this and, and Martin was the sucker. He wasn't no sucker, man. And, you know, he was still growing and learning and expanding his mind. And he had the plan, man, economic boycott. That will work. And then they killed him. And in his last speech, when he spoke about fire on the mountain, he said that he has some second thoughts and some regrets about his nonviolent tactics. And he's saying, he said, I feel like I'm leading my people into a burning house. There's fire. They never play this speech, though. They never, ever play it. There's fire on the mountain. And I feel that now for us to continue on a nonviolent path. And he said these words. He said, it's like leading my people to the slaughter. And I will no longer do that. Then right after that, they killed him. He wasn't no sucker, man. He knew, you know, he was a brilliant man. 
he was a brilliant. And I and I'll say this, man. And I don't talk talk against my people, but Michael Max, you love the Panthers, you love Stokely Carmichael, you know, and H. Rap Brown and all the brothers who, because you know, remember at the end, Stokely Carmichael turned Christian. All he wanted to talk about was Jesus all day, every day. You know, but if you really love them like that, learn them. Get to know who they really were. Like, learn about those organizations. It's easy to look at the footage that we're given. You know, remember who's giving you, who's letting you see that footage. Mm. There's other mm. footage. You know, I know Panthers personally. You know what I mean? And I, I've sat and talked and heard stories and, and you know, think that I, I prefer that. And I learned things that I, you know, never would have would have learned just by looking at the footage. You know, some of the problems that were present. You know, I knew some brothers, you know, some elders in my family. You know, um, I remember talking to them one day, and they were like, "Man, yeah, you know, we was rolling with the Panthers back then, but we really was just about sitting around playing some congas and smoking some good weed. That's what we did. <laughs> you know what I mean? So." Yeah. And I'm not saying that's what the, all the Panthers did, but obviously there was a contingency there that wasn't about everything. You know, it's just like when you speak about those times, you know, people always say, man, we didn't march for that. Well, most of y'all didn't march. Only 4% of the population was actually involved in that. You know, so most of y'all wasn't marching. Most of y'all wasn't protesting. So when you start getting that real information, you realize the story's been kind of twisted around a little bit and you know certain people have been overhyped you know and there's people who have done or maybe who laid down some really progressive really amazing and really some some really effective philosophies and some some effective calculations that got kind of brushed to the side so we could deal with the overhype like we're going to overhype the i have a dream thing we're going we're going to keep overhyping that because it's a dream you know it's not a vision it's just a dream you know, dreams don't necessarily come true. They're not like visions, you know. But there were some other very effective speeches at that time. I mean, some of the speeches of, of, of the most honorable Marcus Garvey, you can still get the audio of him. It's not totally clear, but you can hear what he's saying. He says some very powerful things, in those, but we don't, we don't get to hear those. And there were so many other people around that time, male and female. You know, you, got, you have... Um, the Panthers, the Panthers in uh, Tanzania right now. You know, you you have um, well, they exiled themselves. They had caught some gun charges, but you have some Panthers in Tanzania that got some amazing things to speak about, some amazing ideas and things to share. But we just keep going. So it's just like the music. You know, you telling us that Kanye is the best, or or Kendrick is the best, or Jay Z. Jay Z, he's not he's not the greatest rapper. He just he knows how to pick some really good beats. People can outrap Jay Z, you know. So mm-hmm. you're telling us what we're supposed to praise, but the truth is, there's some more powerful things going on out here, you know. Like for example, when I had brought Sister Lee on the show at that time, and I was like, "Yeah, the video got like 40 views on it." And for anyone who's watched the video since I shared it, you probably saw she she was hitting some really great points in that video, but no one to see it, you know. But we'll listen mm-hmm. to a let's say. I'm not going to talk against anyone. I'm just going to give for an example. We're going to listen to maybe Azaza Ali. She'll get a lot of views. Or anybody who's connected to the House of Consciousness or Dr. Maya. I'm not saying anything against them. I'm going to reiterate that. But I'm just showing how sometimes 
it becomes a popularity thing. You know, and I'm not saying that those people don't have great things to share too because they do. It's more about popularity, man. But when you when you really recognize the war tactic strategies and the war tactics that are being used against us, you see through that bull crap. Like I said, if I found out the Ku Klux Klan had a method that could get us free and it was more effective than anything I've ever come across, I would figure out a way to infiltrate the Ku Klux Klan. You go wherever you got to go to get whatever you need. Sidney Poitier married a white woman back in the days, and he, he said very clearly, he said, I had no love for this woman. He said, but I needed to get into certain doors, and they were not opening for me. And he said, over the years, I learned to love her because of what she did for me. She did me a favor by doing that for me. That's, that's revolutionary. Gangster is. Gangster is how you do things. One of the most notable gangsters of yesteryear, when I say yesteryear, the 80s, 90s, is a good friend of mine. There was actually a movie done about him some years ago by Damon Dast, actually called Paid in Full. Well, one of the main, one of the main characters in that movie, I'm not going to say which one, but he's actually a personal friend of mine. He was a big-time drug dealer back in the days. And um, I remember asking him that question one day. You know, we we were sitting down and we were talking about music. I don't know. We was listening to music. That's what we were doing. We was waiting for a, a, a taxi to come. And I, and he he writes rhymes a little bit. So you know, he was spitting one of those little rhymes. I was like, and he said something about gangster. I was like, yo, what's gangster? Because who better to ask? You know, I was like, what's gangster? And he was like, yo, gangster is the way we, it's the way we do things. It's just how we do things. And I'm like, well, that's magic. Magic is how you do things. So basically, same thing. It's just taking your your own, defining how things are going to get done. Gangsters. I determine the contours and the shapes of this road. Just like magic. I manifest the road in front of me. Gangsters, I manifest in front of me. It's not about I do this because of your rules. I do this despite your rules. Oh, and he's conscious, by the way. Let me throw that in there. He's also conscious. Mm-hmm. Well, um, you know, I, I can get carried away, so I don't want to throw everybody else listening <laughs> off of that. Thank you, brother. I, I sure, brother. It's all good. Yeah, it's all good, man. You know, sometimes you got to stare at the pot up, you know, and, and, and we go into different directions, and, and as a result, you know, different people get the information they need, man. So, you know, you're you're a part of this formula. You know, so it's all good. It feels good to be home, man. For sure. <laughs> For sure. I am a brother. Cool. I'm just, you know, you can mute out if you want. Stay on. Come in whenever you feel like it's all good. All right. Cool. Um, no doubt. All right. Cool. There's been a lot, a whole lot of uh, talking from here. I'm just going. I'm just going to say some random comments. I'm going to read them. Oh, is Sister Kim okay? Yeah, Sister Kim is cool. I haven't heard her do a show in a minute. Yeah, she's working on finishing up the classes. Um, she had some classes. This Vivid Eye Productions asked this is to Kim Okay. Haven't heard her do a show in a minute. Yeah, she's finishing up some of the classes um, that she was developing for Sedulo House. So it was a little bit much for her to do that and do this at the same time. So like I said earlier, you probably, I think Vivid Eye Productions, you probably came in after that, um, that I'd be covering for a little while. You know, I, I kind of gave her 
so she can work on that. And you know what? And let me say this too, man. I'm going to say this to y'all. Because you know I've had other uh, some of the other sisters hold shows before, and I don't have them on the shows anymore. And you know, a lot of people always ask, what happened? What happened? You know, y'all waiting to hear about a formula now. That's what, that's what y'all think is happening. But what it is is that even when I have a sister do a show or something like that, it's never really supposed to be permanent. Because when you're doing these shows on Blog Talk or whatever, or um, YouTube, whatever it is, you're basically on the front line. And it's a lot more rigorous than you might imagine, especially for a woman. Because you remember, the feminine women are sponges. You know, so you feeling energy, people are commenting, saying little slick stuff to you. The host needs to shut the F up. You know, kind of, you hear that type of stuff. It has an effect. For me, as a dude, it's a little easy. I'm used to being on the front line. I'm used to taking shots and brushing it off, and, and think, you know, that, that I can thug through things in a, in a different kind of way. Um, but putting a woman on the front line in a sense like that, yeah, it has to usually be momentary. And I know there are women who have had blog talk shows or who have blog talk shows, and maybe have had successful shows on blog talk or YouTube for a long time and things like that. And we could always use them. As the example to say, yeah, well, you know, you can do it, whatever, but a lot of them are real manly, too. A lot of them are a lot harder. If you listen to some of those shows, some of them shows sound like straight up chaos. Just a bunch of uh, chickens cackling back and forth. Because after a while, you know, and I know that's all the mean stuff, but I'm not trying to be mean. But what I'm saying is that after a while that you, you keep functioning outside of your role is going to have an effect on you so you can dip in and out you know so if you got a sister on a show and then when like kim is doing the shows or any other woman a lot of times they're being put into certain positions where they're teaching a lot and you got men calling up saying i got this issue i got that issue what should i do so now she's functioning really in an unnatural position because now she's not only guiding sisters she's not only putting herself out there in, in the light whereas the feminine energy is the dark energy, but she's also now giving guidance, guidance to men, which is a distortion of her femininity. So whenever you have to distort yourself like that, I'm telling you, it, it takes a lot out of you. You know, like someone like me, I'm a, I'm, I lean more towards introvert and introverted character. So speaking and sharing and, and having to also keep up with my personal obligations and my business obligations – it it takes a it takes a lot more out of me than it may be for someone who would like to just come home, fire up blog talk and fire up YouTube and say, Woo, let me tell y'all about my day today, man. I've been waiting to talk to y'all all day. My digital friends, whatever, you know, the, the extrovert personality like that, they they're going through it, they're enjoying it, they're loving it, you know. So um I'll just throw that in there as a side. For you to understand, you know, it's hard to maintain doing that. And I know a lot of people don't care. <laughs> but for the two listening who do, or the one, maybe, listening who, who actually do care, um, doing these segments, it, it takes a lot out of you. You know, it's, it's, it's not as easy. You know, one of the things why sometimes I'll allow the dialogue to go into certain directions is because given even myself those moments of liberation, are recharging. Me being able to say, you know, there's a bunch of whole whole people out here. They got whole they whole minded. That actually refuels me. You see, because I'm stepping back into into my gators. I'm stepping back into my shoes. You know, so it, it, sometimes you guys may not understand. You know, 
Um, we may make it look easy. Um, and for some of us, it is easy. It's easy for me, but there's still a cost, you know. But for a sister doing this and, and also the questions that you guys have are not basic questions based on the level of teaching that you've been receiving so long. So it's not so easy for anyone to just jump in, do a show, and just start hitting y'all, you, you know, like that. Um, and if they do, as Kim does so masterfully, you know, I mean, I'm not saying that she trips up or anything. Kim's on point. You know, she, she's she's dope. She's got this. I also know how much it takes out of her, you know, um, just being in the light. Just, you know, when you're looking at elements like that, even from a spiritual perspective, or if you're looking at you're looking at your natal chart, you always want to look at what element is what in what place. Sometimes, you know, like let's say let's say if you look at your moon sign, right? Let's say if your moon sign is Aries. Let's let's use that example. That means you got fire where there's water. So there's gonna be a discomfort. You're gonna create steam. It's gonna be a bubbling up of things. Usually people who have Aries in their moon sign. A lot of times, it, you know, their bodies are not as comfortable with their emotions all the time. You see, so just to kind of give you an example, man, you know, so th- there is a cost. It is a cost. And, and that's why a lot of the times I'm not afraid to make people aware of how they're acting sometimes, you know, make it clear to them or express to them like, nah, nobody owes you anything. You know, ah, stop acting like that. Like, yeah, you're going to get cursed out in a minute, <laughs> you know, because... And there really is no, just so you understand, there's no feedback. And when I mean feedback, not just, hey, good job, but there's nothing that refuels you in, in the process. You know, maybe if you're talking to someone on the phone, it's a good dialogue, whatever. But for the most part, you're just giving. And for a sister, that is that is really exhausting. You know, so I just want to throw that little bit thing, you know, in there so you guys understand. So sometimes you may see me have a sister on and I'll pull them off or have them on for a little while, whatever, you know, because um, it's tiring. And I sense, and I understand it. I get it. So I, I'm always quick to say, oh, I feel like, don't worry, I got you, I got you, I got you, I got you. Because it's not really a place that they should be, you know. And I know some may, some may put pieces together and say, but you also said that this is really women's work. You ain't supposed to be doing sitting here doing all this teaching. Yep. So it's multi-layered. It's multi-layered. Not only is it women's work, you know, because women are the teachers, but you start to understand after a while that, um, then after a while that the way men are supposed to go learn and the way women are supposed to go learn is different. And ultimately, like right now, we got men and women listening. So therefore, I'm not really teaching at a deeper level because I have to make it generic and I have to make it palatable and digestible for both. I know that's a thumbs down because I'm supposed to say, well, there's no difference and we all need spirit and consciousness. You know, there's always somebody, there's always somebody local to tell me something that I knew when I was a teenager that they just found out and they think, you know, they, they dropping it on me. Well, chief, look at it like this. No, you look at it like this. I already looked at it like that. It's your turn now to look at it. But anyway, all right, we're gonna take a, we're gonna take a quick break, a little sonic libation for a second. I know I'm playing music. I don't know when we play music, but I just I was feeling it tonight, man. You know, feeling it. So I guess it's the whole Kendrick Lamar conversation. You know what I mean? Just yeah, <laughs> old and new. It's good stuff, man. I don't believe the hype all the time. All right.
subjects of the universe while the bridge is crumbling. It's keeping winking. Time to make a move. Sissy, yeah. And while navigating the Nile, from the gods of gift to a black child, the original, a key of life technically the sentinel, the African king of pentacles, humble grace with common sense, so let the trickery commence. As I stood to one knee, don't be mistaken, Professor X, the sweet battle, wicked. Walking in order, subtle but strong in a mind state. Students here to demonstrate, students for the younger and lesser in levels, the kind of ones come in pain from their hunger. Peace on our reflections, deep is the impression, coming to the key and be as a protection. Eyes in my ears, crying tears of the cosmos. Do you hear what I see? Awake it to the God's new hope. Van Gogh's jockers, the pimp strike doctors, to the left hand of bone rockers. We with the key door unlockers. No keys and teasers for readers. Not even sex thinking, please just clean. Down with the move by all means. While black watches are nine in a castorine. No more shots to be taken. You see, the people is now awakened. The world is a wake up call. Black watches hold it in. For in the state of van glory is re-exist. You walk the path like it's a war, America. Understand before you stand. Prepare for the drug system. The vignette and let the sun in head up like the weed that I am. I walk forth, brothers on every side, the keys to talk to our face to the spirits of the pyramids we lay. So we forever follow one damn glorious way into battle. We go against the rattles, we do what we have to to keep the black truth. While you're trembling, quit your shaking, it's time to awaken.
and that was one of the songs. Actually, that was the first song. That was on on. I had the album, but <laughs> that was the first song on that album. Uh, the sleeper has awakened. But man, back in the days, I had the biggest crush on on ISIS. That's who was rhyming ISIS. She calls herself Lynn. Ninety seconds. You know, my other my my English chick. You know, she. You know, I got all kind of chicks in my stable, man. I got a I got a chick on my voicemail. That's one of my concubine. Then I got my English concubine from Block Talk Radio. You know, and then I got another concubine on my one eight hundred number, my new one eight hundred number. I got all kind of virtual digital concubines from all around the world. You know, plus I got my other concubine who says all tracks were produced by you, y'all. Yeah. Digital polygyny. But uh yeah, man. She calls herself Lynn Q now. She's still rhyming, you know. But uh, you know, Professor X uh, transitioned some years back. That was such a sad thing. You talk about an underdog, man. That was so sad. You know, he's the son of of uh, Lumumba Carson or Sonny Carson. If anybody you're familiar with Sonny Carson, if you're not, there was a great movie done some years back uh, called The Education of Sonny Carson. A really good movie. You know, I'm like when I say years back, let me put it in perspective. Uh, back in the seventies. <laughs> it's an old, old movie uh, called The Education of Sonny Carson. And his father, the, the brother you heard speaking, he was Sonny Carson. Um, but, you know, and of course, that was seconds. And of course, that was uh, Professor X um, from X Clan. Yeah. Okay. Oh, you got the security gig on Y. Okay. I see. I got the overnight security gig. I've been thinking like I'll spend 11 hours to make 150. I can make that in an hour. Yeah, but it's an overnight security gig, so it's brain dead work. So you they can you can use them to pay you to learn. You know, you figure out ways to flip it. You know, you're there for 11 hours. You know, it's an overnight security gig, so you're probably working for an hour <laughs> out of the 11. You probably got to do some rounds. And then just try not to fall asleep or find your spot to fall asleep, you know, where you don't get caught. And then what you do, you take whatever books you need, whatever paperwork you're filling out for your business. You got any audio books on business you want to listen to? And you basically say, y'all going to pay me $150 on my Exodus plan. So I, and, and you make it the last gig you ever have to have. That's how you do it when you get gigs like that, man. You know, shoot, they're paying you $150 to go to school. Like you said, okay, here, that's what I've been doing, laptops and but Yeah, they're paying you to go to school right now. Look at it like that. That's your overnight security gig. That's kind of sweet. That's kind of sweet, man. You got a nice hookup. <laughs> Look at it like that. You got a nice hookup, man. You know, 150 bucks to go to school. You know, I always try to look at it, like I said, man, before you, and not that you were complaining, you weren't. I'm saying this for everyone listening. Um, and you tend not to complain, Anwar, but... Um, just celebrate first. <laughs> you know, always look at the celebration. Or some people say, you know, the silver lining or whatever, but look at the, the celebration as, you know, aspect of, of what you're dealing with and what you're going through first. What is it to celebrate? Well, heck, man, I could stay up all night on YouTube with books and stuff on the library and stuff for free and still be stressing about how I'm going to pay my water bill or pay my light bill. Or you could pay me to do it. And I know you live down in there in Florida. And so that means... I'm not going to be running any AC or fans at night. So I'm going I'm to basically sit here and soak up your AC, whatever little supplies, overnight security gigs, so any food that's out, that's fair game, 
any candy left in candy jars is fair game. Your high-speed internet, all of that, you know, you're going to pay me for it. You know, there's there's always something to celebrate. There's always a celebratory aspect in everything we're doing. So, you know, ultimately, again, we've been talking about tonight, you know, we're going to close out soon, you know, uh, unless anyone has any questions. But we've been just talking about the whole aspect of um, social engineering and its significance. And like I said, what, what really brought this, the idea of the thought to the forefront was because um, I was just hearing all of the hype and the conversations around Kendrick Lamar. And like I said, I'm looking at this and I'm saying, they're setting them up to crucify him. You know, long-term plan, because some people are able to do long-term projections. No different than how they set up um, Kanye West to crucify him, you know. And they're going to do the same thing with him. Watch, mark my words. Because even if you look at the hype around this last project, right, if any of you have heard it or not, this last project is not as good as the project he did before, the Bimpa Butterfly. That project was way more creative. There was a whole lot of forgettable track. Last track was probably one of the best ones. It had more of a boom bap to it, but it was the most memorable out of, out of everyone on the whole, every song on the whole project. It wasn't classic, you know. And again, not this thing, because I mean, still, he still did an amazing, amazing project. Still great work. Absolutely. You know, but you got to, again, like I said, look at the machine. You know, there's so many different aspects to war and to warfare that we tend to ignore um, because we're just not in tune sometimes with the fact that no one ever called a ceasefire. (laughs) You know, sometimes people are not aware of their POW status. So they're thinking they're safe. They're thinking like, okay, we're good now, you know, post-racial America and all the opportunities are open to us. And, you know, I, I can, I can bang out people of other races and, you know, all kind of stuff seeing beyond um, the larger plan, not realizing that there's certain people who are not going to, they're not going to stop scheming until they're gone. That's their purpose here is to keep scheming and to keep you in tune with what needs to happen. You know, so that's an important concept, man. Like I said, so I just want to reiterate that for anyone. Okay, Chief is playing pool. You hear it, huh, Justin? No, Justin, I'm not playing pool. Someone just had to, yeah, now another one, Armar, sounds like you're playing pool in the background. Now, I have a pool table right next to me where I'm at in my home. And, wow, now you're going to drop the pool. Someone had the genius idea to play a game of pool in the middle of the show. And they heard you. Okay. I need I need a sip of alkaline water. Give me a second. Yeah, just get back on your Snapchat. Get back to snapping and chatting. You're gonna play a game of pool in the middle of a freaking show. Like just like a little animal. The champion pool. <laughs> Ain't that right, boy? <laughs> yeah. You know, he, he. hey, how about I tell you about, I'm telling it, because, hey, they're, they're family. Let's just open up to the listening audience. 
So Genius here agreed to a bet yesterday. It was yesterday we did this, right? So we made a bet because he, he – remember I shared with you all? Now, he never heard this, that I let him win in pool the day of the game. See, I told them I didn't tell you that. But now you can hear it because clearly, obviously, you know now. The, the, the day of the fight, I let him win in pool. So, you know, in your usual arrogant and conceited fashion, you actually thought you were a better pool player than me. I, who used to own a pool hall. So, what you wanted me to go get you some breakfast, right? Yeah, a deli bagel. Like, see, kids, it's just dumb. (laughs) Yeah. Fox said it. There ain't no hope for the game, no hope for the future. There ain't no hope for the future. I'm telling y'all now. These kids are dumb. So, we made a bet. I said, well, I said, all right, let's just do it. And I really just made this bet so he would get out my face because I was busy. I said, okay, we'll play pool. If, what was it? If I win, no, if you win, I got to go get you the daily bagel and then get you your dinner. Like you wanted, you wanted your stuff served immediately. But if I win, you can never ask me for food again in your entire life. No, to, buy you food again. to buy you food again in your entire life. You can't ask for it. And of course, the overconfident, overhyped, overrated fake pool player took the bet. And I gave, I kept saying, listen, think about this. You don't want to take this bet. You don't want to take this bet. No, no. You're just trying to hype me. You're just trying to psych me out. You're just trying to psych me out. I'm going to win the bet. And listen, this is what I want. We're going to go drive over here. I want the food. And like, he's really believing that he's going to beat me in the pool. So uh, I said, okay, well, let's play a practice game. Now, I'm trying to help him. Let's play a practice game. And then we'll decide if we want to still do the bet after that. Now, I, of course, what in the practice game, I, of course, beat you. Right. Beat him in a practice game. Now, you would have thought intelligence would have kicked in at that point, and he would have said, you know what? All right, the old man was helping me out all the time. He really can play pool. Let me stop. But you? No, of course not. Right. Shango! <laughs> he called on the power of Shango, but clearly it was the cartoon Shango. <laughs> Shango, the animated version. And <laughs> so he wanted to do the actual real bet. So we played again. And what happened? Boy, I won again. And uh, we played three more times after that. And I won each time. Five games in a row. Yeah. Because he was thinking after he lost that he could reverse the bet. Like he could say, okay, well, I bet you now to reverse the bet. I'm never reversing that bet. Ever. Even on my deathbed, like that's that's it. I'm about to get the bet tattooed <laughs> across my stomach, like pop. I'm gonna get the whole bet tattooed across. In case anything ever happens to me, I'm in an accident or something. They lift up my stomach. They say, "Okay, will we see your instructions. Don't feed the boy. No, don't feed the boy. He lost the bet. Tattooed across my stomach. Bet life. All right, you blew that boy. So, hey man, you gotta be a man." Now you got to go out in the world and find your own food. That's all. There's nothing wrong with it. My pops cut me off at 11. Even if you want to play after that, I'm not re-betting you. That's fine. I just want to reassure myself that I can win. But you can't win. I can't. I believe I can. 
belief and knowing which one is stronger. Yeah, no, I know. We had this conversation yesterday. We had this conversation a lot of times. Yeah. To be sinking in. I know I can win, man. You know what you should do? You see this bottle here of uh, uh, hot sauce, Louisiana's? You should drink half this bottle. <laughs> I'm telling you, if you drink half this bottle, it's it like it dedicates yourself to the energy of the fire. You may not knock the eight ball in, at least by yourself. Maybe something you won't do something so butt stupid. At least you won't win and, and lose and embarrass yourself. You will lose. Why not? You can't beat me at nothing, boy. I told you that. Yeah. The only thing you could beat me at is running. That's it. Boxing. You cannot beat me at boxing. Now, you know you cannot beat me at boxing. Yeah. You can't keep your hands up enough to beat me at boxing. You like to drop your left a little bit too much, and my left hook is a little bit too heavy for you to ever beat me at boxing. Now, running, absolutely, because you're a coward. And cowards always run fast. All right, all right. I never learned how to run. Right. I never ran. All right. So you can beat me at running, but you'll never be able to beat me at anything. I'm better than you and do nothing better than me, man, ever. It's going to be like that for the rest of your life. You will always live in my shadow. All right. Just let that sink in. Just let that sink in for a little while. All right. I'm too cool to ever lose anything to you. I've never, I've never done anything dorky. In my life, you rolled a girl on your handlebars on your bike and flipped the whole bike over. <laughs> Everybody doesn't need to know that, huh? <laughs> Flip the whole bike over. Mm-hmm. Real suave. <laughs> I never did nothing like that. You just not cool enough, boy. Boy. Anyway, now that we got the pool situation out, you know, so now the whole world, basically the whole nation, this show airs internationally. So basically, we could say now the world knows <laughs> that you are not to be fed. I'll put a sign around your neck. <laughs> Do not feed. <laughs> oh, man. I know how it is, man. If I was you, I'd be, I'd be upset because right. you can't win and you can't do anything about it. All right. <laughs> I'm never buying you nothing. Ever. So anyway, <laughs> so we've been. <laughs> oh man. Uh, yeah, I don't know why you're racking them balls up. You're not gonna take it easy this time. Okay, so what does that mean? You gonna rip the felt on the pool table? So that's all that means. You're just gonna overdo it. You ain't got no touch, man. That's the problem. You haven't touched enough women yet in your life. That's why you don't really have the touch that I have. You see? You you ain't you ain't been around enough women and you'll never catch up to me on that one either. You got a couple of little girls, you know what I mean? <laughs> a couple of little scallywags and came wandering around. <laughs> yeah. But you ain't never you ain't never had no no like no no bad bad women. So your touch is off. See what I mean? I'm big. I know I'm big, but I'm tender. See what I'm saying? I'm tender, boy. I'm a tender lover. You're not tender. You just jagged. You know what I mean? Yeah. I hear you, boy. <laughs> Young dummy. <laughs> yeah, of course I call you dumb a lot, man. You do a lot of dumb stuff, man. What else was supposed to call you? Brilliant? <laughs> I 
I ain't one of them type of adults just say you brilliant just to make you feel good. If you do something dumb, that was a dumb bet. That was dumb. Come on, man. World's dumbest bets. Try to submit that. Yeah, you don't ever have to feed me again if I lose this game. See, you see what your cravings are doing to you? You wanted a bagel so bad, something you shouldn't have been eating anyway. It just messed up your whole your whole thinking process. You're really feeling it, huh? You see? You see what happens when you're not able to project long-term and sit back and pull back in your thinking for a moment and say, wait a minute, what is this really worth? A bagel, something I'm not even supposed to have anyway, because I know you're already overweight. You're probably like eight pounds overweight. I'm more than eight pounds. You're more than eight pounds overweight. 152 right now. You're 152, so you're going to have to lose 12 pounds for your next fight in June. And you still want bagels. Genius. Genius. So you can go into the fight nice and weak, right? No, I'm not. When one month out, I have a 31 day countdown. So in 30 days, you're just going to lose 12 pounds like that because that's just what you do. You see what I mean? Yeah. Dumb. Dumb. See, we, we praise you for winning and everything, but you do have to know that the gods are on your side. Because they do protect fools and babies. 152 pounds. Last time I was 152 pounds, I was in the fifth grade. <laughs> hey, man, I, I, my bones are... My bones were replaced when I was a baby with adamantium. That's why I'm having you. Oh, you know this is just like me being overweight. No, 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 no. My bones. I have special adamantium bones. Um, <clears throat> it's, it's a whole long story, man. I, you know, I don't get into it. So that's that's why I weigh so much. But um, yeah, man. So you know, we're talking about social engineering. We're gonna get ready to close. I'm not playing this boy in pool. But like I said, you gotta pay attention. Come on, man. Now you knocking stuff over. Hey, I got an idea. Why don't you go over there? No, why don't you? You look what you're doing, man. You're like a just a disaster. Why would you even try to inch in closer? Why are you coming over here? I'm sorry. I know you guys hear all that ruckus and commotion, man. God, man, clutch. You're just a clutch, man. I don't even know even know how you get around the boxing ring, man, without falling through the ropes. You're so clumsy, man. God, Lee. I'm like a, I'm like a glass of almond milk. You like a glass of almond milk? Yeah, you probably are like a glass of almond milk. Like silk. Like silk, huh? Almond milk. Mm-hmm. All right. Like yeah. Why don't you just go slide your silky self over to the other side of the room, man? Get away from me. Anyway, you got no coordination. That's your problem. So yeah, you know, social engineering, man. Pay attention to it. Pay attention to it. I'm telling you. I know we spoke about Kendrick. He went a lot of different different ways. Yeah, he did say so. Yeah, he did say so. The pimp, the pimpsmanship is in the DNA. You know, can't get away from that. But anyway, um, so like I said, man, you guys got to pay attention to that. I'm not saying you're not paying attention to it. I just felt it was worth commenting on because sometimes, like I said, when you're looking at cultural wars, sometimes we forget that culture transcends and spreads so many different areas. We, a lot of times we look at culture like, you know, this is just how I connect to my, my racial background. You know, maybe I listen to a certain music or, um, you know, I like to play drums or, or hang up certain type of paintings and things in our house. 
you know, but sometimes we don't see the ultimate value of the culture because culture within itself is how you cultivate the mind, you know, so we can lend and we can move and sway public opinion to certain places. And, you know, sometimes even within ourselves, we overhype even where we're at, which causes us again to, you know, one thing what happens is when, when you live in a, in a hyper-stimulated environment, there's two things that happen, two things that happen. One, you tend to overestimate what you know and you underestimate what you don't know. That's the, the immediate sign of it. You overestimate what you know. You underestimate what you don't know. You know, so, and I can't tell you how many clients I've spoken to, and I've asked them certain questions, or I've tried to work with them, and I've said things like, you know, well, um, do you think you have a problem here? They call me about a certain problem. The problem is pretty apparent. It's right in front of their face, but they can't imagine that somebody sees something that they don't see or and, and they can't imagine that there's something else to know about a particular area. A lot of times you have a lot of dumb kids like that, too, dumb teenagers. You know, they think they know everything. You know, they, they tend to underestimate what they don't know. And then sometimes when, you, when they even find out that there's something that they don't know, they say, well, I don't need to know that. You see, that's a sign when there's some social engineering at play, because that's not even alignment with our natural character. Our natural character lends itself towards exploration, towards uncovering things, towards, a, you know, like we say, a lot of children have a natural curiosity. Well, adults also have a natural curiosity. It's just that we tend to suppress it and do away with it as we grow older. That's a part of the sickening and the hardening. When you look at the, 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 the shrines and temples and, and Kemet, which says, you know, um, old man, know thyself, because in knowing thyself, you shall know God. You know, the old man thing is significant. I've said that long, long, long time ago in the show. I think I did. But, <laughs> you know, to say old man, know thyself, what are we saying? Because you're the only thing that's aging. Everything else here is timeless because it's infinite. So through your aging, you know, you begin to not know yourself. You begin to become less self-aware. You begin, you begin to become more clueless, you know, as a result of your aging, you see? So um, it's just important to, to look whenever you spot it to let people know. <laughs> you know, like sometimes you might be in a supermarket and you buying something and you, you, a lot of times somebody being able to, oh, you know, they'll come over and whisper to you and wink and say, hey, you know, uh, such and such down the street market. I don't know, man, don't dip your trail mix into my, how did you fit it? It's a family size. Just get away from me. I feel like I feel like I'm about to catch a, a charge on it. Wow. And then you sitting there dipping your filthy teenage, probably playing with some little girl's booty around the corner, and you think you're then going to dump it into my bowl? All right, I got to get off the air. I'm, I'm about to say something that's going to get child protective services called on me. Um, the whole damn thing you ate. I had a pinch. I feel hate right now. That's all I'm going to say. I feel hate. You're greedy. You're clumsy. You're hard-headed. That's all you do right there. Eat. Eat, sleep. Couple minutes, you be sleep like a, you like an old Italian man. Couple minutes, you be falling asleep in that chair. Oh, Bob, I'm gonna take it down. God, me. I ain't buying that no more. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at your face now. Face got serious. Yeah. <laughs> you can get your trail mix from the dirty corner store hookup. You can get the Pakistani trail mix. Yeah, I know it's good because it's the good stuff I bought. Yeah, and you finished it in one sitting. All right, cool, cool. I don't know how to handle that. I don't know how to handle that. No problem. No problem. Play me out. You gonna play me like I'm a hoe. Anyway, um, it's important to see. I can't even focus now. Let me get off this dog on show. <laughs> it's just important. You ate all that damn trail mix, boy. I just came back from Whole Foods. And I don't hear nothing about no growing children either. You just greedy. That's a good point. Going, okay. And you, you have to cut weight and you still eating. And it's 11 o'clock at night. Hmm. I wonder if Muhammad Ali would have did something like that. Muhammad Ali supposedly came tipsy to one of Okay, so he came tipsy to his fight, but that. All right, first of all, so so you have the skills like Muhammad Ali to come. Uh, I didn't compare him to Muhammad Ali. You compare me. To I'm not comparing you, Muhammad Ali. Exactly. See? See? Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> God. No, but I'm not comparing you to Muhammad Ali. You don't compare to Muhammad Ali. You don't even compare to Layla Ali. You don't, Tatiana Ali. You look just like Tatiana Ali, definitely. If I put a wig on you and a little uh, Catholic girl's outfit like she wore in Fresh Prince, you would look exactly like her. You could have played her body double. Yeah, she was in Fresh Prince Bella, yeah. That's how you look, Tatiana Ali. I think y'all weigh about the same. <laughs> I'm not comparing you to Muhammad Ali, though. I'm just saying, though, I don't think Muhammad Ali, when he was training, would be eating the way you're eating knowing that he's got a fight coming up again. And you've been bragging about winning the championship, so obviously everybody's going to be looking at you to win again. Imagine how many people are going to be there this time. Right. And look at what you're doing. I tell you who won't be there, me. <laughs> you ain't going to embarrass me. I'll watch it from satellite. Just get, send me a live feed. I'll be right here. I'll be right here. It's not looking too good. It might be a fight stoppage. I had a three minute topic last night. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I'm not that you'll stop the kid, that you'll be stopped. You know, I'll just bring a white towel. Don't worry about it. Let me finish the show. I'm just going to bring a white towel. I'm going to go wash, wash a bunch of towels now. I'm going to talk to you. Right this is what I'm basically going to do. I'm going to bring a white towel and I'm going to hand out towels to everyone in, uh, who's sitting ringside. So if it starts looking crazy, we can all just throw the towel in at the same time for you. Because it looks like that's going to be necessary the way you eat. All right, I'm done with you. So let's get back to the show. All right, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It says, sounds like his mouth is still full. Right. Spitting peanuts all over the... Oh, man, just go, man. I can't believe you ate all that, man. God. You need to go to a farm or something, man. And this What's the point in even buying something if I don't even get to taste it? You offered me dirty... First of all, it has your backwash on it. I'm not eating after you. I'm not into that, man. Just because you were a kid, it's supposed to be okay. No, it's nasty. I'm not eating after you. crazy. I'm not eating some sesame seeds in the bottom of a filthy bowl. Get out of here, man. That's disgusting. I'd rather starve. I'd rather just fast. Thank you. 
Yeah, man. Look at all the different ways that the attacks come. That's all I'm saying, man. You know, it comes through your culture, comes through your music, comes through your politics, comes through your religion, your psychology. You got to pull back sometimes, pull to the side of the road. And um, you have to really be able to just kind of think through some of these things, man. And pay attention when it's happening to you, too. You know, when people are building you up to a certain place or hyping you up to a certain place in order to crucify you later. And I'm not saying everyone's doing it. You don't have to be suspicious of every compliment and things like that. But that's why it's important as a community that we reward within first. We define within first. With my youth, I don't care what people say about them. If I say you're a dummy, you're a dummy. All right? I don't care what your, your over-talkative chemistry teacher said. You should be in physics, AP physics. If I say you're a dummy, you're a dummy. All right? And you don't stop being a dummy till I say you're not a dummy. We have to learn to reward and punish from within because we have to define the members of our own community. We can't let a pervasive and a, and a, a sinister social structure tell us what we should praise, what we should be afraid of, what we should like, what we shouldn't like, you know, when we do good, when we don't do good. Because then again, like I said previously, that, that's what begins to define us. So even when we start to look at music and certain people are overhyped, you don't understand that's a form of a lockdown. Because now we say this is the best, and within the annals of our own genius, the abyss of our own genius, genius, we have the ability to produce something that can actually heal us, something more complex or something more spiritual or something more elevated in terms of its context. If we have the ability to produce something like that, and we're saying, well, we've, we've now lowered our standard, then where's the healing and where's the alignment? That's supposed to come from our music. Well, we don't get it anymore. It's gone. You know, and it also allows certain people into the game who have no business being there. All to think about. Now, me, when I'm watching and I'm looking at things, there's like conversation I have with you about boxing. You compare certain people, say they're the greatest because there's a lot of people who suck. Like Lennox Lewis, he wasn't a great boxer. All right, I'm done with that. So anyway, like I'm saying, so it's the same thing. When we're looking at our life, a lot of the times we got to look at when the standard is being lowered and we're kind of being spoon rich. You know, sometimes I look at that even in the conscious lecturing and I'm saying, man, this person is saying nothing. Absolutely nothing. But our, our standards have been reduced to that of newbies. We're all newbies now. So somebody comes in and, and sees something and says, wow, I just saw hitting colors or something and I didn't know all of that stuff. Now we're supposed to get just as excited as the newbie does. So where's the rite of passage where we say, okay, that's cool. I'm glad you got that. Let me celebrate with you. But now let me bring you into the next level. Again, like I said, the head is always going back to the tail and following the tail. So we, we're constantly resetting. We don't get anywhere. We're starting over. We're starting over. We're starting over. You know. So that's just something to kind of pay attention to. When I listen to some of this music or, or I just see some of the lecturing or I see some of the things that are presented to us as if they're supposed to be great. And I know that we've already surpassed that. And I'm not speaking about in our ancient history. We may have surpassed some of these things recently. But we're, again, we're not a people of memory. We're a people of emotion. So we get excited. We get excited. And then we forget what we were excited about because we don't document it. So when it comes back around again, we don't say, wait a minute, uh-uh, we already did that. I mean, congratulations, but we, we did it already. 
this is the next step that we need you to get to now. We need you to go to this next step. You see, that's why a lot of times you might have noticed even with sometimes these segments, I'm not just always just sitting and teaching. I tell stories, I break to the side, I break to the left, break to the right, pause, talk about something going on in the room, whatever, whatever, or if I'm extremely disturbed by somebody playing pool in the room, you know, I'll make some different left and right turns because in all honesty, the format of somebody sitting here teaching and preaching to you is played out. I got to keep it real with you. It's played out. It's bo- it's boring to me to even listen. Somebody sitting in front of a screen on YouTube, they censor themselves in the video, and they say, yeah, I want to talk about uh, uh, candles today, and I'm going to talk about how you can use candles to bring wealth into your life. Come on, man. We did that already. We already did that. What do you got? What, what's next? What What comes after that? You know, so that's what I'm saying. Like, even in this work that we're doing, a lot of times, even when I'm presenting, like, we have different times. At on Wednesdays at night, you know, this is more laid back. Like, we're just all sitting here kicking it. Y'all probably doing whatever and listening, or whatever, and you're soaking in things because you can soak it in from a, a different angle now. Then when I get back on Thursday at one tomorrow, it's another angle that I hit. You see, so. Sometimes you want to look at the progressive work as well, where things should be now. You know, even if you're looking at music, where should it go now? I mean, we've lost our live instrumentation in in a large sense. You know, we've lost that. We've given up whole entire art forms, you know, from rock to to blues to jazz. We say, here, just take it. Hip-hop even, we've given away. You know, and some of the dynamic elements that came along with it that were starting to keep us in a certain place or wake us up. You know, just like when you had all of that amazing music of the 70s, what, what was done in order to bring people back into a grid? You know what that is? That's disco. That one beat, that one beat. It just sounds like house music slowed down. And what, and what did disco music sound like? Remember, you're talking about the time of the Vietnam War. Sounded like marching music. Boom, 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 boom. Marching people off the war. You see what it's doing to your mind frame there. Prior to that, think about all the funky stuff. I mean, we had Sly and the Family Stone, Larry Graham, Earth, Wind, and Fire, doing all these funky type of songs. James Brown doing all these offbeats. You know, these rhythms that you couldn't even write down on paper. They have to be felt. You see? So then someone said, oh, wait a minute, too much spirit, too much feeling, too much emotion. Put it on the grid. Get them back on the grid. Get them on the grid. Get them on the grid. They're getting ready to be free. So they give you disco. And, and then they put a bunch of artists who can't even sing on top of disco beats. You see? So then we deal with that for a while. We deal with that up until the 80s, right? And in the 80s, introduces the bastardization of electronic music. You know, so now we're getting rid of, rid of the drums, live drums, and we're replacing them with DJs and, and, and drum machines, okay? But then people started figuring out how to make the drum machines funky. Listen to Earth, I mean, I'm sorry, Sly and the Family Song, Thank You for Being Myself Again. Not, not, well, not that one. I'm sorry, wrong one. Um, it's a family affair. Drum machine. Marvin Gaye, Let's Get It On. Drum machine. You see, Atomic Dog drum machine. So you had artists who were saying, like, nah, we're going to take that machine and we're going to rip it apart and flip it inside out. Watch this. 
you see, and we may have the drum machine, but we're still going to have maybe some congas or some live percussion or some real hand claps playing on top of the machine. We'll play around with it. We'll figure out how we want to really do this thing. They say, oh, man, they're getting ready to get off the grid again. Getting off the grid. Get it back on the grid. Get it back on the grid. You know, so then, you know, brothers started saying, okay, well, heck, we could do the hip-hop thing. And we're sampling, but what were they sampling? Well, all of the live spiritual music of yesteryear. The James Brown, the Earth, Wind & Fire, the Funkadelic, so forth and so on. Sly and the Family Stone. So then what did they do? They said, okay, get them back on the grid. Overcharge them for the sampling. So now they're not inspired to sample. They're going to put things back on the grid, introduce computers. Let the computers be the rhythm for them. Forget their rhythm. Let the computers do the beat for them. And thus, here we are. And when those things began to come about, we were told that they were the greatest things ever. Oh, this is great. Look at this. This is awesome. This is great. But it wasn't really great. It was taking us away from our spontaneity. It was taking us away from our organic feel that we had, you know, from, from our, 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 our sense of, of natural movement. It was taking us away from that and putting us back on the grid, which is akin. You could, you could liken that to a musical matrix. Like you think about when people say, oh, you're still stuck in the matrix. Well, that's the same thing when you're quantizing things to a point and you're putting things on the grid to a point where now it's not even moving outside. Some things will go offbeat. Some things will go out of tune. You know, that, that's a part of the, the organics of it because it's not really about that so much, right? It's about the spirit that comes through it. But we remove that by sterilizing the spirit by saying, if you can't write it down, we don't want to hear it. If it can't be put in sheet music, it's not real. That's why John Coltrane years ago, I got banned off of the radio. I don't know if you know about that story. I shared it one time, a long time ago. I was a guest on somebody else's show, though. But he was banned from the radio years ago because they said that they couldn't chart his music. Now, if you can't chart it, what does that do with you playing my song on the radio? They punished him. They punished him for doing what? For playing music like an African. He said, well, we ain't going to play you on the radio because we can't chart it because you got all these different time signatures in between your song where it keeps changing. You're playing at 3-4, then you go from 3-4 to 6-8, then you come from 6-8 to 4-4. It's all over the place. And then y'all just stop. Everybody goes freestyle and improvises for 15 seconds, and then somehow you all know how to come right back on the beat. What the heck is that? Well, that's called chaotic creation. That's what we did when we were in heaven. That's basically what jazz is, is organized confusion or organized chaos. Uh Uh-oh. It's starting to act like gods again. Then you had Sun Ra doing that. Uh-oh. Get him back on the grid. Get him back on the grid. <laughs> it's like when Jimi Hendrix said, man, I, I don't, why do I have to make all my songs four minutes and 40 seconds? You know, he, he made a song that was four minutes. No, they were all four minutes. Excuse me. He wanted to make a song that would be four minutes and 49 seconds. And it was a whole big whoop to do. Somebody should have paid attention to that. Why does it have to be four minutes? What is so significant about four, four-minute songs, four-four timing, four seasons? What, what's this four thing? Four directions. You see, somebody, I'm sure somebody did. You know, I, I don't even say that no one did. I'm sure someone did at that time. So it's a conspiracy, you know. But I'm just saying that it's, it's important to pay attention to all the different ways that your real self can be locked down. And you can be put into a grid of things. And a lot of times it's by having approval or, or you know, again, that, that 
collective or that social engineering, having what you approve programmed into you. You should like this. You should not like that. Um, we look at even hip hop. You know, this person gets to a certain age, we got to laugh at them now. Now they're funny. You look at that old guy. But why are we going to do that in rock? Why is it Rolling Stones? Why do they still sell out? The Grateful Dead before Jerry Garcia died. You know, why are they people still following them around the country? They're old. But what, what is it? Are you, are you teaching me to not be loyal to what was laid down before me? Are you teaching me to not have a memory? Are you teaching me how to wipe my memory? Are you teaching me not to be loyal to my elders? By telling me that I shouldn't listen to maybe a 40, heck, a 35, 40, 50 year old rapper. I shouldn't listen to that, you know, but I can listen to a 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 year old country singer or rock star. That's perfectly cool. It's perfectly fine. Or even gospel singer. Perfectly fine. (laughs) Yeah, man. You know, it's. (laughs) Just give it some thought. I know it sounds like it may be out there and it may not, you may not think that it's related to social engineering. You know, what you're told should be the best, what you're told to like, all of those different things, man. The freedoms that are taken away from you uh, and the very essence of those moments of, of you know, abjugating those, those decisions and those choices to a society that's never wanted anything good for you. Never, ever wanted anything good for you. You know, there's a song I wanted to start the show with. And then I was actually going to do an explanation around that song, um, but I ended up not doing it. <laughs> but I'm going to play the song um, on the way out. All right. So we're gonna we're gonna get out of here, and I'll be back tomorrow at one o'clock. And I'm gonna leave you with it with a cut, you know. And then uh, we'll build on this in the, in the forward. Any comments, questions, just leave them on the video, and I'll um, respond to them tomorrow. Social engineering. And it's tomorrow I'm actually going to get into the, the, more of the methods of social engineering. You know, like now I just gave you a real basic example, the Kendrick Lamar, but I want to get into explaining to you what it, you know, you know, I like to talk about the, the science of things too. So we'll, we'll get into that as, as well. All right. So I'll speak to you all tomorrow. And uh, those of you who are Sedula House students, keep it up. <laughs> keep your classes up. All right. I'm watching you on the back end. A lot of you have been talking to me on uh, Sedula House. We've been been building. I've been pretty much um, mainly articulating and, and building with people through my own platform on Sedula House. You know, so that's been that's been fun too. It's almost like having someone over the house to talk to them. In a sense, you know, almost kind of feels like that. You know, not that I have a robust social platform, but it's something as simple as just being able to send a message back and forth, an instant message on somebody on a platform that you've built, you know, for, for what we're talking about. It, it, you know, it's a good feeling. All right. So um, I'll get with you all tomorrow, very soon, right? Rest well. <laughs>